Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brennan on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Minas and Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hi, Shy Hearts. Welcome to episode 284 of Me to Set Molly's. It's 906-1206-1106. Effectively, what, the, the mid-season finale for all intents yeah. and purposes? Yeah. Pretty much. Um, you guys, it was a party on Chicago Fire, so we thought we'd bring it over here. It's a party over here, too. So <laughs> it's not just me and Bryna. Our dear friend Logan Angel is here. I almost said it wrong. I caught myself. <laughs> uh, but yes, our dear, dear friend, fellow member of the One Chicago Pod Squad. We love her very, very much. Logan is here. Logan, I'm so glad you're here to have fun with us. I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited. I, this episode, oh my gosh like a fire I just can't there's gonna be a lot I have I have tissues I have wine I have cheesecake <laughs> I, have, I have water for hydration like I I'm prepared you, you I feel like you gotta do I feel like it's appropriate that like the other kind of like main time Logan was on I mean we've done some like crossover things but like the other main time she was on this podcast at least was like our however many hour Brettsy deep dive so oh, I feel like it's appropriate that was a six hour episode it was, it was like so one in the morning <laughs> somebody already just asked us in our patron was like can you guys do a part two and we were like <laughs> man I, yeah I I would love to do a part two to talk Maybe about because summer. that was before that was before Jesse left so like yeah I had all these like hopes and dreams and aspirations and they were killed not long after that it was like oh, but that then we ended up here so it does yeah, yeah it's true no we I all like, ended up back in the right now spot. that we're at the end of the journey there's a whole different perspective to it but like yeah for a while there I couldn't even like there was a period where I didn't want to think about the Bretzy deep dive because I felt so embarrassed by like being like season Jen is gonna be our season it's gonna be great and then I was like it, no <laughs> that didn't happen the same could be said for Upstead bands it's cool season 10 we got no we don't got this okay. yeah it's it is kind of weird how those two relationships for a while mirrored each other I thought that was really strange like even from the beginning and I know Upstead there's gonna be people on Twitter that are gonna come for me when I say that um <laughs> I have always thought that the two ships mirror each other. And it was really strange to be that like both Jesse's left like right as big things had happened for their ships. And I was like, well, that's that's an interesting kismetty bad thing. <laughs> yeah, except like when Jesse Spencer left, it was like praised and they never did any bad thing to Casey like never slandered him yeah. and then like Jesse Lee Soffer left and it could not have gone it, worse it, it there is nothing like honestly the most um representative thing of those two shows is looking at the two Jessies and looking at their exits you can tell so much about the tones of each show just by watching those two episodes and comparing them it's yeah. just you know like those two episodes side by side comparatively tells you everything you need to know <laughs> it's I, I still think it's interesting in a weird like reverse kismet kind of way where it's like the anti I don't know it, it's just interesting to me that the timing of those two things in particular 
They both left in 1003 of their respective seasons, didn't they? No, Jesse's was 1005. Yeah. Why did I think it was 1003? Because episode three of each show is cursed now. I'm traumatized forever. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're not wrong. Episode threes are, are not great. Because it, no. it's like the season has started and they've gotten people comfortable. So they feel like they can like hit you with a whammy. Or drop a movie theater on someone. Yeah. Yeah. As one yeah. does. Oh. Mm-hmm. That was a rough night. That was a horrible night. I I still cannot believe that that happened in one Chicago history. Like that whole entire night of episodes three. I I can't believe that they did that to us. Like, and I remember, okay, pod squad stuff. I remember it was probably about, gosh, like 40 minutes before the episode aired. I think like all of us that didn't already know something was up had this like really weird feeling revelation that like, something bad's gonna happen to Hawkins tonight and I don't know where it came from we all just sort of were like this is weird something's <laughs> something's not feeling right and so I wasn't gonna watch the episode but because we all suspected something bad was happening I felt like it was like yeah, a, to watch a it. therapy in group numbers so I was like well I have to watch it because if they're gonna go through pain it's like a solidarity thing like I I, I gotta experience the pain too I guess yeah, pretty much whoever you like corresponded with or whoever you watched that night's episodes with, you guys are trauma bonded for life. That goes for exactly. everybody right across the board. Like I remember we did a FaceTime after and we were like, oh, it was what? bad. What yeah. did we just watch? I we just were all like, sobbing. I just feel like that whole night, like in like 10 years from now, when let's be real, these shows are all still on and we're going to talk <laughs> about it. We're like, I was around back then when that night happened and oh man t- let me tell you about that night that's gonna be like one of those nights yeah that's like the like the battle scar type yeah. of thing you i know? survived what day is it uh october it's the week before your wedding gina that's all i it's remember like october 5th or something it's in it's in the video we did with all the patrons saying like of course we're one chicago fans because it, it was yeah. Beth. she said yeah. we have beef with that night which we do and uh, clearly we still have unresolved drama because we're still talking about it <laughs> we're still talking i just that's just one of those nights that i'm always going to remember because it was like all right this is going to be bad. And we all, it was like, to me, it was weird because it felt like all of us at the same time were like, no, this is going to be bad. Because <laughs> I think for most of us in the group chat that, you know, didn't know some things, we spent the whole week like, no, they're not going to do that. Like, it obviously, that's not, that's not going to happen. And then as it got closer, we were like, wait a minute. <laughs> I just, that part I remember so well, it's just like this vibe went over the group chat <laughs> the energy was off we yeah, were like just like something's something, weird something's not right <laughs> oh man okay well the here's a terrible evil. segue ready here's a terrible segue you know what wasn't bad this week the bretzy wedding it was beautiful it was so beautiful so yeah um we always start with the news on these episodes we don't have any news the shows are on hiatus till the 20th um that's really the only bit of news we are going to take those two weeks off um i'm traveling brian is traveling you know it's like i said last week we both work really hard and sometimes our bodies just hit the brakes and are like no you're gonna rest now so that's what we're gonna do but yeah that's all the news we've got uh no patron shout outs that's cool if you would like to support the pod for as little as two dollars a month you can do so at the link in our socials to our patreon page we have so much fun over there i say it every single week but it's true it's so true. Logan, you're a patron. Yep, I sure am. It's chaotic, I'm right? In, 
it is. I'm in a few of the many offshoot group chats. <laughs> yeah. That I swear yeah. just keep growing. Yeah. They, they, there's more of them every time I talk to someone. Like, I, I think I'm in, like, the Fire Country offshoot group chat. Wait, wait, and wait, I, wait, wait. There's a Fire Country offshoot? <laughs> yeah, there is. And um, I went in there after one of the episodes to, like, check in. And they were like, oh, this isn't the Fire Country live watch group chat. And I was like, wait a minute. There's another group chat. It's like, okay, I didn't know this. Today I learned our patron group has a fire country chat. It's there. But there's also a separate one for live watches, apparently, where the spoilers can go. Oh, okay. I I didn't know this. I love it. But yeah, every time I pop in, it's like, oh, there's a new one. Oh, okay. Cool. (laughs) I love it so much. I love it so much. We have so much fun in there. We have so much fun. It's ridiculous. So yes, please check that out if you would like. So yeah, without further ado, let's just jump into these episodes, shall we? Yes, do it. All right, let's do this. So here's my take on this week's med. Med is usually the safe show, right? We're like, no matter what, med is solid, med is good. Look, it's not that med was bad this week. It was not bad. It's just that that both of them were better. Fire and the other ones were bingo. Were better. Bingo. That's what I was gonna say. That I literally just said I gotta hold it before recording. That like med was the not that med was bad, but med was the worst. If I have to put it in an order, med was the worst of the night. Bingo. Yeah, we share a brain, Brenna. Like every time we forget it, we're like, oh, we come out with the same thought. Yes. Yeah. I yes. think it was just not as action packed. Like I don't know that it was necessarily bad because I did enjoy what I watched. I think it was just like not as exciting. Like, yeah, you know, it didn't have like I and that shocks me to say because usually, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but I usually hate void episodes. This yeah. is so a I good was void episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like fully expecting, I don't know, that to be the worst one that I because I had to rewatch. Obviously, I wasn't paying attention on Wednesday night to any show but fire. Um, but, but so I had to rewatch and this today when I was rewatching, I was like, I really don't want to watch PD. And then I did. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm glad I picked this week to be on the pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but I think it's more that it just wasn't as exciting as the other two. It wasn't that it was necessarily bad because I didn't yeah. think anything in it was bad. It's just kind of, boring. it just okay. wasn't as exciting. It was, yeah. It was okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I- oh, go ahead, Logan. I was just going to say, I think most of that is because Hannah wasn't there. Yeah, that's <laughs> just that kind it of was like... definitely felt. And I don't know if because yeah. there's already such like not as many women on med anyway. And so like you take when one of them is missing, it's like kind of when PD, it's like, oh, this is like glaringly obvious. But or if it's just because I love Hannah and it, that also was very glaringly obvious, but it was very well missed. She was very well missed. Yeah. Big time, big time. So you guys know how we roll. Sharon got the first scene, so we're starting with Sharon. Um, And this is heartbreaking, frankly. This just kind of wrecked us all. So Bird has his test today. Sharon's kind of waiting for him to walk in. And Bird is just, he's lashing out. He's being really mean. But it's not coming from a place of, you know, him hating Sharon. It's because he's scared. And I think, I mean, I think even last week when he stormed out of Dr. Charles's office, it was pretty obvious. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah for sure. I think also, as someone who has roundabout experience with Alzheimer's through acquaintances, there is a layer of Alzheimer's that's paranoia and anger. And um, so it, it to me, it was also 
sort of indicative of what it was going to end up being because they didn't say last week but when that happened and he turned to paranoia like at the drop of a hat i was like oh mm-hmm. i think i know where this is going so i think that was part of it too but yeah i mean it was a lot of fear obviously yeah i i, yeah. I don't blame him for that it, that's it's a terrifying thing to think that like there's something wrong with you that you can't really fix it you know like it's not it's not even something it's it's cognitive to me like a cognitive thing is just like the most terrifying um so i'm i get it oh absolutely absolutely so he's just kind of throwing daggers at her and and thankfully she puts her foot down she's like look if you feel that strongly about what's going on i'm gonna back off just tell your kids what happens like keep them in the loop so I'm glad that she is still looking out for herself even while this is happening because you see that so many times where the caregiver, usually the woman, kind of loses herself and what's going on. I don't even think, I mean, I agree with that, but I don't even think it was about that. I think she knew too that like if she tried to keep pushing, she was going to push him away from like doing the things that he needed to do. Mm -hmm. And I think at that moment that she knew that like if she kept being like, you know, I'm going to come with you. I'm going to do this. Like that wasn't going to get him to the tests. And, and it it's also, I mean, even aside from, I do agree though, that most of the time if things fall on the woman and the woman, you know, like that's obviously a gender role thing that, that happens. But I do think just in general, Goodwin's a busy lady. Like she's no matter what got a lot on her plate and she's trying to be happy herself. So it's like <laughs> this huge thing has to fit in to the rest of her day and she doesn't necessarily want to put it on anybody else especially not her kids you know so it's like it is partially the gender role thing but i think it's also just a person thing just like she's got a bit she's got a very important job that takes up a lot of her time already and she was just starting to find like this nice happy new relationship and really like find a rhythm that she liked you know i think it's just like Uh, it's just a timing timing thing too for sure for sure and so uh, you know midway through the episode Bert comes through the ED and again he's still lashing out he says something particularly harsh where he's just like I'm your ex-husband like stay out of my life but again Sharon knows you know it's coming from a place of fear so she stops in to the neurologist's office to kind of see if she can get the details and it's Alzheimer's. It's exactly. I mean, the writing was on the wall. I think we all knew from the minute he had the whole incident with Isaiah that it was going to be Alzheimer's. But it's a whole other thing when you hear the confirmation yourself. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, big time, big time. I, I know the minute the doctor said it, he was like, we're looking at Alzheimer's. Even I was just like, oh, damn. Oh, shit. So Sharon goes to her BFF, Dr. Charles, and we have this moment. Sharon, I'm just so sorry. Well, I I guess the upside is now I know what I'm dealing with. Exactly. And you know what? I mean, there are some very promising clinical trials happening right now. Some exciting new medications being developed. And I'm just, I'm confident that we get the right kind of help that we're We'll be able to navigate this. We? (laughs) You mean me? 
the decisions that'll have to be made, the appointments, the treatments, that's all gonna fall on me, Daniel. What about the kids? I mean, the kids will be there. No. They've got their own lives. I don't want them to have to deal with this either. And, and how am I gonna do it? I've got a hospital to run. I've got a new relationship that is really going well. And, and then what? I have to take care of my ex-husband. I know it's selfish just to think about myself, but... No, it is not. Not at all. I can't do it, Daniel. I can't. I'm so glad those two have each other. It's really one of the best friendships on any of the One Chicago shows. It really is, because it goes yeah. back so far. So far. Well, and just what Sharon is talking about, I feel like if you've ever had to be like any kind of caretaker for anybody at that point, and like, especially I feel like in a family situation, like that's like so real, like all the emotions, all the feelings like that is like so real. And it's exhausting. Like, yeah, because, yeah, it's just it's emotionally exhausting, physically exhausting. Every point of it takes a toll. Um, yeah. You know, and especially if, like, you don't have help to, like, mm -hmm. share some of the burden. Um, that's, you know, that it, yeah. It's just a hard thing to to deal with, no matter mm -hmm. what. Well, it's a giant wrench that just got thrown into her life. You know, she even says it, that, you know, she was kind of hitting her stride. She's running the hospital. She's got this new relationship that is fantastic. And now this just comes like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And I feel like Alzheimer's specifically too, like depending on like, because obviously some cases with Alzheimer's, it can be like very gradual, like you're, you're like very slow, like you're not, it's like kind of just maybe like short term at this point. And then like it can, or it can be like, you know, unfortunately very fast and like, you know, but then you really have to be on someone like kind of all the time. Like I remember when my grandfather got diagnosed, it was very slow for like, I don't want to say like six or seven years. It was like a long time where it was like, okay. And then kind of when it happened, those like last three years, like my grandmother, you know, she had to like quit her job. Like it was like much more like specific. It's like Alzheimer's is a fucked up beast. It sucks. It's cruel. Yeah. It's really, it really sucks. Yeah. So at the end of the episode, she gets a really panicked call from Tara because Bert's not answering his phone. Um, everything's going to voicemail. And so she finds she runs into Dr. Charles in the lobby. And again, Dr. Charles just being like BFFL, just the best. He's like, I'm coming with you if we don't know where Bert is. It's just there's no arguing. This is what's happening. And she mentioned something here that I thought was kind of interesting. She goes, you know, he's tried to take his life once before. Did we know about this? When she said it, I vaguely remembered it being a plot in an episode. I don't know how many seasons ago, but I do think that it was an episode of Mid. Um, I definitely don't remember that, but we I, also I, got, like, not that far into our rewatch, so I don't remember. No, I do vaguely, very vaguely remember that. Like, she said it, and it, it sort of, like, rang a bell, but it's been so long since I've watched Mid all the way through, and when I did watch it, I binged it all at once, so, yeah. like, I... I don't remember what episode or what season, but for some reason I do have this image in my head of like him being in the ED after 
attempting it. Could it have been um, around the time that, because he remarried briefly, didn't he? I thought it, uh, maybe he had a girlfriend. I don't or know. girlfriend, yeah. I just remember, I remember, Google. yeah, I remember she was played by Garcelle Beauvais. That's all I remember. But I remember she died too. I wonder if it was around that time. Probably. That sounds familiar to me. That sounds familiar. But I, I do believe, yes, it was an episode because it just sort of like hit this spot in my brain where I was like, I kind of remember that. <laughs> Connor, um, you're out there. Help us. <laughs> yes, please. I am lost. I'm like trying to Google and see what I can find, but I'm coming up short right the second. So I know that once she mentioned that she was like, Bert's tried to take his life before. I was scared. I was like, oh, we are not about to have dead Bert in this episode, are we? Like, this is not about to happen on the eve of the Bretzy wedding. They're not going to do this to us, are they? Yeah. Yeah, I was I was worried, too. Um, and I was glad Dr. Charles was going with her if that was the case, because, like, finding that by yourself. I mean, finding it regardless, but especially being alone would be just awful. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I did worry about that, too. I was like, I, I really don't want to I don't want to watch that. <laughs> oh, I was girl. I wasn't afraid they were going to actually kill him, but I was afraid that they were going to, like, that he was going to try, and then they would have gotten there, like, in time enough to, like, obviously save him, but not that they would have actually, like, killed him off last night. My mind didn't go that far. I minded for, like, a second. I was like, oh, no. These shows, you <laughs> just never know. Yeah. To me, that was, like, I don't think they were going to do it tonight. Now, if you ask me about, like, the season finale, I... All bets are off. Unfortunately, I'm not. That sounds terrible or to say. Season premieres. So no, but like season. Okay, this is the same show though that had, had someone slit their own throat in the season premiere. Like, are we? Come on. I'm I think sorry. You're- I've tried so hard to forget about that. I shouldn't be laughing. It's it's valid that you said that because this show has done some wild shit. Like, no, but it's it's terrible. I, it's not even terrible that I like. It's more that I like said it and thought about it in that way rather than like it doesn't put me it does I don't put it past the shows to do it. It's more that I like when you say it out loud that it like sounds terrible. Like yeah, oh, it, yeah but like the season finale, he may die. It's fine. Like, out of context, especially. It's yeah. like what what? Yeah. <laughs> no, it that's that's what happens though when you're a one Chicago fan. Yeah. <laughs> you're just you're just happy nobody died that week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so funny, but it's so sad. We but it's so true. Sad. But it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, so, Bryna asked me this question last week, and I want to ask you this, Logan. What do you think is going to happen with Bert? Do you think this is going to be a slow decline? Do you think they're going to do this quickly? How do you think this is going to progress? It could go either way. I, I, My opinion is, since it's a shorter season... I would bank on this being a slower plot, like a setting up a long-term plot, um, maybe reasons for Bert to be on the show more, mm-hmm. um, personally, because there's only seven episodes left. I, I don't know if it, if it's a decline that fast, if it's a plot that's that imminent, just seems like maybe you wouldn't pay justice to the actual struggle, like the real life struggle mm-hmm. um, to me. But I don't know. Like I said, these shows 
are wild. Like, <laughs> I I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so so let's get back to what's going on here. So so Bert and Goodwin, no, Doctor Charles and Goodwin caught myself. They go over to Bert's house and they find Bert, and he's just sitting in the recliner. He's safe, thank God. Uh, but we get this like absolutely heartbreaking moment. Bert. I don't know what's going to happen to me. Well, whatever comes, we'll deal with it. Uh, I don't want to make this anyone else's problem. I I have to deal with it on my own. No. No, you don't. Because I'm here. And it's all right. Be all right he's scared and so is she yeah yeah it's really hard to watch it was really hard to watch even a second time i was like i don't know if i can watch this and yeah. i feel like the quiet kind of sadness where there's it's not crying it's not distraught it's just sort of like there's there's nothing to do there's no yeah you know the, you're just frozen it's like I think that to me is the most devastating type of sadness because I mean, it reminds me of, Oh God, it, it, not to make another 1103. Um, but that moment right before Violet starts like going off when Hawkins died, like there's a moment where she's just like, did that happen? Where she's just sort of like frozen. That's what this reminded me of. It's just like that moment of like, is this happening? Um, and that to me is the most is the most devastating, like underrated type of performance where you just play like that quiet sort of level of shock. That like that moment but, where you know your world just completely changed and you're still just kind of like, but wait, did it? If I don't move, if I don't think about it, if I don't talk about it, did it happen? Yeah, that's that's what that is. Yeah. Yeah, true. So. Yeah, we'll see where this goes. I just, you know, it's sad. It's sad. I hope that Goodwin continues to, you know, confide in Daniel and, you know, and and consider him the safe space that he is because, I mean, like you guys said, being a caregiver can be draining. Well, and I'm also really curious to see how this affects her relationship with Dr. Washington. Yeah. We haven't seen him in a couple weeks now, but like, that's going to probably take a toll on that too, unfortunately. I mean, but. at least time away from it. Even if it's yeah. like, even if he's the most understanding and supportive that he could possibly be, it's it's still a change in her priorities. So, yeah, for sure. You know, at the very least. But I, I do think Dr. Charles is is a great person to have, like, as her bestie That's that could help her through it. Because we saw last week, he's really good with Bert too. Like, it, he and Bert have their own friendship. So... Yeah. I do think he's going to be involved, especially since she said she doesn't want to bother her kids with it. Like they have their own things to worry about. You know, um, I do think I I mean, I would hope that that's where they would go with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think. Again, like we said, they're one of the best friendships on the show, so why not take advantage of it? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So next up, we've got Zola and Crockett. These I two. love this pairing. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you like them together? 
I do, but I don't care what they do with it, whether they go like a, you know, a platonic route or a romantic route, it doesn't matter. I just enjoy watching them square off and like the fact that there's respect there, but there's also the ability to censure, you know, like they have that sort of open relationship where, where they're able to do that. And yeah, there's a fence and the head's butt, but at the end they're like, okay, you're telling me this for a reason, you know, like I... I just like seeing them play against each other. And after last season with Crockett, this it's just nice. <laughs> I just feel like this is some of Crockett's best stuff in years. Yeah. Like, I just, I think, and like, I even tweeted it last night. It was like, it's so refreshing to like, see every week that Crockett is in the ED amongst the people and not like isolated from everyone else. Like, it's so refreshing that like, I yeah. know for the most part, every week he's going to be amongst the people and it's nice. And I love Zola. Like I Yeah. I love her so much. She's she's like Natalie and Will in one person. <laughs> and I love it. I love it so much. I I think, you know, given that Will is sadly no longer on the show, they needed someone who's like that polarizing, like lightning rod, you know? Um and so I'm, but she's a tamer version of them. And I think she, that's why I can, like, get on yeah. board with her. Because Will, I, for me, was a lot. Natalie, for me, was a lot. I mean, I had moments where, of course, obviously, I liked them a lot. But, like, she's, like, way more tamer. Yeah. No, you're, you're correct. I think with her, the difference is she's already showing some growth, right? So, like, mm -hmm. she's been taking that ethics course. She's starting to realize that, like, maybe acting first and asking you know, and, and thinking about the consequences later isn't necessarily the best idea. Yeah. So I think because she is showing some self-awareness of like, mm, maybe there is something I need to work on. I think that's why we're able to really root for her more. Yeah. You know, because you can tell that she understands perhaps being stuck in that cycle is not the best thing. Unlike Will, who very often jumped right back into the cycle. So yeah i'm not standing for this williams slander i love him but you say it's true you know you're thinking it so. no i'm absolutely thinking it i'm absolutely thinking it he's a mess but he's my mess that's how i feel about colin bridgerton okay so, oh boy the, the colin bridgerton discussions this week that we have had <laughs> in the group chat have been lit let me Listen, tell you just keep in mind the way you feel about will is how i feel about colin okay <laughs> Okay. Okay. When My you say man. it that way, I can respect that. Okay. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's okay. all that's, I ask. Okay. I can work with that. I can okay. work with that. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> we'll, we'll say Bridgerton talk for May, which is going to be impossible, <laughs> but still. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Sorry. We'll, we'll save that for later, but I can't wait. I was so scared when I finished jury duty on Monday. I was like, I'm not going to go back to this book, but like, I can't stop. I have to keep going back to it. I have to finish it now, but I go through periods. Sorry, Brian. I like, this is just me to sit Bridgerton talk. Um, <laughs> I watch Bridgerton. It's fine. No, I know. Like I, I have moments where I'm like, okay, like Colin's trash. And then I'm like, okay, this is slightly better. And then something else happens. And I'm like, oh my God, throw the whole man away. Like I hate him. <laughs> so, I can see that when you, when you put it in perspective like that and you compare him to well, that makes a whole lot more sense. I, I love him dearly. It also helps to me. I read the books in order and in the earlier books, he's, he's just like the non-serious brother who eats a bunch of food and makes a bunch of sarcastic comments and, you know, 
teases everybody. Like, <laughs> so I think if you have that like affection that you build with him before you get to the book, it's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I also love him in Eloise's book. So if you get to Eloise's book, I'm curious to see like how you think of him in that book. Cause it's okay. So, different. so I'm going on a cruise in two weeks again, nothing that anybody cares about. They want to hear about Zola and Crockett, but uh <laughs> I was going to start Benedict's book and when I asked Lauren today, I was like, Benedict or Eloise? And she said Benedict. Benedict. Okay. Benedict. Yeah. Okay. Eloise's book is a mixed bag. Like some of it is really, really good. And then other parts of it, it's like, eh. Read Benedict's book and then you can understand why I'm personally annoyed that we're just skipping that right now and going Please. straight to Colin no. and Penelope. As much as I love Pollen, I, I am annoyed too. So yes, read Benedict's book and then- And then you can understand why we're all kind of annoyed. Yeah. Noted, noted. Okay, Eloise is my favorite Bridgerton though. She just straight up doesn't give a fuck. And like, I love her so much for that. Okay, you might be disappointed in her book because oh. book Eloise is di very different. Okay. From show Eloise. I also uh, had somebody tweet me the other day and tell me that Gregory makes Colin pretty much look like a saint. <laughs> Gregory is messy as fuck. I haven't gotten there yet, so. He's, he's I will say, though, it's different than Colin because Colin can be very confrontational. Gregory is like, he's, he, let me put it this way. He watched all of his siblings fall in love and find their love matches. He is like the most bizarre, strange romantic because of that. Like, he's, like the opposite of Anthony. And now all of our listeners understand why we put a hard stop on this episode because otherwise we'll be here all night. Yeah, let's keep going. But again, this is why we adore each other is because we have so much fun together. Okay, so Zola and Crockett. Here we go. Brandon, take it away. Okay, so the episode opens and we find out that I'm going to butcher this medicine's name. The board pulled Exomedix. Is that how you say it? That is how you say it. You did okay. it. I like thought that was how you say it, but whatever. Um, Basically, somebody that's like on the board pushed them to reconsider. And it's not like officially, officially final yet, but like it's basically good as done yet. Um, I love Crockett hyping her up when she was like, we did it. And he's like, no, you did it. Also, the little banter about how like she likes her fancy coffee and he likes her fa his fancy drinks. I thought that was really fun, too. Yeah. Listen, if they do go romantic, I won't be mad about it because that was really cute. <laughs> yeah. So there are vibes, not nearly the amount of vibes between Maggie and Hot Helicopter Guy, but oh my God. He was also missing this week and I very much noticed it. Mm -hmm. I, I know we've talked about it in the group chat. Hot Helicopter Guy, like just put him in every episode, make him a series regular right now. Like <laughs> I, I just want to look at him all the time. <laughs> I don't care. I love that we're all calling him Hot Helicopter Guy. I love yes. it. That's what he is. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yes, carry on. Anyway, so Zola gets a patient. She might have pneumonia. She also runs these like board game conventions. So she's like, I thought it might be this. I thought it might be that. But like, I kind of realize it's probably not anything basic. So Zola orders a bunch of tests and to be like extremely thorough and. You know, because she has a hunch that it's not even pneumonia. She thinks it's something different. And she was right because she, her patient has Lumiere's disease. Like the candle from Beauty and the Beast? 
Yes, exactly. Yes. Like a candle. Yes. She, that was the first she, thing I thought of. I was like, I, like, she said it and all I saw was like the candle. <laughs> I was like, yep. I, this, this disease is going to turn her into a candelabra. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, of course, Zola tags in Crockett and he suggests starting with some meds. And Zola's like, I don't know. You know, I think there's something else. And of course, Zola ends up being right again because she needs a thrombectomy. So, Zola's out in the ED and all of a sudden, Archer comes up to her. And is basically like, look what you did. The thing you were trying to do because you thought it was better for your patients turns out was not great because the replacement medicine is way more expensive. So if in fact, like a patient's insurance doesn't cover it all, they're basically now fucked. So she, as Gina put it in the outline, she got archered. And this is where you feel Hannah's absence the most because this would not have happened if she'd been there. I, I also like- thought I thought he was like, for comparatively to where we like started with like Dean, I feel like that was like relatively tame by like Dean Archer standards. Oh, by yes, if you're yes, looking you at didn't early let me finish Dean Archer, my, you didn't let me finish my sentence. By Dean Archer standards, that was like tame. Yeah, for I mean, yes. I will his say standards. that, yeah. but he has grown since then. So you would hope that, like, yeah, I know he's, he's but... not just gonna like don patrol people and like come down with like his ominous, you know, <laughs> ominous censure when he's like they're like minding their own business. <laughs> she she wasn't even having anything to do with him, and he's just like, hey, here's some bad news for you to deal with and feel guilty over for the rest of the day she was just she was in the wrong place of the hospital at the wrong time because he was just coming off of an l with his patient so you know he kind of had to take it out on her and i agree with you both it's insanely tame for archer like that that would not rather me at all if he had said that i'd be like okay whatever like you're just being mean but zola's brand new so you know she doesn't know archer the way that we do well, also, he's the one that put her in the ethics course. So I think there's this added, like, she feels like she needs to impress him type of thing, you know? So I, like I feel we, like... We would that, all feel that way if we worked under Dr. Archer. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just this added factor of she's disappointed him before, and so she doesn't want to disappoint him anymore. I think that mm-hmm. is also part of it. He he could be another doctor, not Archer. And I think she would still sort of feel the same way if they told her this after they'd already, you know, um, come down on her one time. I I just think in general, it's it's one of those things where you want to prove somebody wrong and you just don't feel like you're you're doing it that week. <laughs> this was all just unfortunate timing, in my opinion. Yeah. But like, I think maybe he could have presented it to her differently, but then I don't know oh. if she would have fully gotten the point either. But like, she kind of needed to, I think if it wasn't for him saying it to her like that, I don't know if she really takes that step back and is like am i doing the right thing am i not like i don't know if she goes into like reflective zola for like two seconds yeah i do think zola has a thick skin so to get past it you do kind of have to be more i guess right. like do i think maybe he could have like phrased exactly what he said differently yeah. yes obviously but like i think she needed to kind of hear it so that she yeah kind of be like okay hold on a second I think I agree with that to some degree. I think she is one of those people that like 
needs to hear things in a dramatic way for it to really sink in. And that's well, I mean, just she's because... on her third hospital and she got, you know, fired from the first two. Right. And now she still is like, I'm going to keep doing it. So like. Well, clearly like shit just rolls right off her back, which is yeah. one of the things I love about her. Yeah, but for sure. If you are, if you are that type of person though, you are going to need sort of like a harder line in the yeah. messaging. So I, I agree with you. I think I could, could there have been some slight changes where he still could have done that and been a little bit less of a dick sure but yeah. I, I do agree with the concept that like zola is the type of person that like he kind of needs to to like s barely scrape the rock bottom to realize like oh that's maybe not good <laughs> yeah yeah and i did appreciate her growth in this episode like the what it sets off regardless of how we feel about how he did it was very positive for her like it sucked while she was going through it but the fact that she's contemplating it, she's even thinking about it, is a sign of what kind of person she is and what kind of healthcare professional she is, I think. Yeah. All right. So after that, like I said, she kind of goes into this reflective place, but she kind of takes it almost a little too far. It's like on one hand, she's on this side of the spectrum. The other hand, she goes now like way to the other side and she starts to doubt herself. So she goes in the room with Crockett and they're talking to the patient and Crockett's like, yeah, we're going to do the thrombectomy. And she's like, but actually there's another potential solution. And Crockett's like, no, there's not. And she's like, yeah, there is. And he's like, no, no, no. And he pulls her aside outside the room and he's basically, he's, he's pissed that she basically just undermined him in front of the patient. Which, yeah, I kind of would be too a little bit if I were. I and shoes. the sad thing is, I don't even think she saw it as undermining him. I think like, I don't think that even occurred to her. Like, I'm undermining a superior, probably not the best yeah. look in front of a patient. I think it's just like she's at this point, panic and impulse. You know, like rethinking every decision she's ever made and being like going far extreme in the opposite direction out of like sheer fear. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I don't think that even occurred to her. <laughs> like, perhaps that's not the best look, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So they end up doing the thrombectomy. It's a success. And so Crockett finds Zola out, you know, later on. And basically Zola's happy to hear that it was a success. And she's like, by the way, while you were in surgery, I did some research. Turns out that the bigwig who pushed to pull Xomadex he works for the big pharma company that produces the replacement med. And she's, like, kind of annoyed with her. Like, she's like, how is this not illegal? Which, like, yeah, probably should be illegal. Um, but it's not. And then Crockett gives her this little pep talk. This is all happening because of my recommendation. Hold on. Are you, are you blaming yourself? Before you spiral out any further, let me remind you of what's actually important. Your patient, who's alive and well in large part because you listened to your instincts. New thrombectomy was the right call from the get-go. Now, you might not be able to take down the medical industrial complex, but you saved a life today. And Zola, if that's not good enough then maybe you should think about another career
Thank goodness for Crockett. Love I love him. him. Love this. Love this relationship. I just yes to all of everything that this storyline is. Yeah, I I really am enjoying the two of them. Just like I don't care where it goes. I just enjoy seeing them together and and the way they bounce off of each other. Um yeah, it's just a fun dynamic, I think. Even when it's sort of like uh what's the word introspective even when the plot is more like internal the conflict is more internal um it's just they're just really fun together i like it a lot i do um i did have one worry so i thought it was interesting but when we started talking about zolan crockett how brenna you said that you think this is some of crockett's best work because i was i felt a little like maybe paranoid throughout the storyline because i feel like this season they're using crockett as a means to advance Zola's story. They're not really doing anything with Crockett. They're just using him to forward hers. And so in my head, I was just kind of like, you know, I'm really getting scared that like Dominic might want to leave at the end of the season, but that might just be a product of being scarred from past seasons. If you had asked me before this season, I would have said yes. But I disagree for this season and the reason I see what you're saying and I think that can be valid. But in my opinion, I think that if it wasn't for Crockett and his role in mentoring Zola, she would not have been progressing as far as she already had. Like he's played a big role in mentoring her and being someone that she can, you know, that he can guide and, you know, that she can look to for advice and things like that. And I personally just find that fascinating after like, and especially because again, like every week feels a little different within the storyline. And that wasn't the case the last two seasons. It was like last year, it was like, up Crockett's doing another case in OR 2.0, up another one, up another one. The season before that, up a transplant surgery, Oh, there's another transplant surgery. Okay, I'm going to go kiss Sarah Rafferty, but like, okay, another transplant story. (laughs) Like, there was nothing there that was interesting, and at least this is interesting. And so I completely disagree. I I, I completely disagree. I understand what you're saying, but I also think Zola challenges him too, because he's new to the whole board thing. And they've already had a plot where... He was maybe being a little too comfortable, a little too political, like caving a little too much to the board and not being himself and representing his own ethics. So I and she challenged him on that. And he ended up, you know, representing himself more accurately to the board. So I, I do think there's a side of it that is related to his growth. I think they challenge each other. I just think Zola has has further to go than Crockett. So I think they do have to work on Zola more because of that. Um, So, and I also think it's part of building a relationship. So, you know, we already know Crockett really well. We, we don't really know Zola. So through Crockett, we're getting to know Zola. So it's, it's more character building and relationship building, but I do understand the concern that like, if you think about it, he's really not doing much for his self, but I do think when you're developing a relationship and you're developing a character, that's just that's just naturally going to be what happens. Both great points that I did not think of. Yeah. So 
After Crockett and Zola, we've got Ripley. Logan, how are we feeling about Ripley? I love him. And Brenna, I think you you're you're pretty into him too, right? Yeah, I really he needs to stay away from Hannah, but yeah, otherwise we're great. I I like Ripley and I actually don't hate Ripley and Hannah. I'm not saying they're my OTP or anything, but like I, I'm open to it. We'll <laughs> get to your OTP. People... Be patient, but we'll get there. I know a lot of people are are like Hannah Archer and I okay <laughs> I don't I'm not really there with Hannah Archer <laughs> but I I understand why other people are um when it comes to Hannah I think I'm just open to whatever she wants like you know whatever she wants to do okay fine I just like Hannah Arch Hannah Asher which is a weird thing for me to say because initially I hated her <laughs> <laughs> um but I do love her now so just I don't know, whatever she wants to do. But Ripley, I do really like him. And I like his dynamic with Dr. Charles, which I'm sure we'll get into. But I think it's it's an, a different dynamic than other people have had with Dr. Charles. And I really like the way that they're exploring it. I'm so um, impressed by their dynamic because, and I mean, if we ever get to talk to Luke, this would be a great question for him. I'm really impressed because I feel like Ripley has already forgiven him. And if not completely forgiven him, he's well on his way to doing so. Yeah, I think he's on his way to doing so. I think there's still some wariness there. There's like some hesitance there to really be um, invested in Dr. Charles as far as like on Ripley's end. Mm -hmm. I think Dr. Charles, though, is like fully invested in him. I mean, and it shows itself in this plot, but I, I do appreciate the like the awkwardness and the tension of like that relationship and that they're not everything's not completely good um but they're coming around to each other i think that's interesting because dr charles usually he's just like the guy that gets through to everybody right like he's everybody loves him <laughs> unless yeah. you know you're a certain character that turned on him before you exited the show but that's a whole other conversation <laughs> um <laughs> uh so it is interesting to have somebody come in that starts off at like you know, a negative opinion of Dr. Charles and then has to go from there. I think I really, I'm enjoying that dynamic. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. So we get a little backstory this week, a little more backstory. So this patient comes in and he is looking for Rip. Not Mitch, not Dr. Ripley, just Rip. Okay. This guy's a charmer. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> poor nurse Nancy is just having the day from hell because he is giving her so much heat. Like, it's so bad. He doesn't want her to take his blood pressure. He doesn't want her to help him. He just wants to see Rip. So once Ripley sees him, he kind of explains it to Dr. Charles. And he just says, Sully and I used to run the streets together before I left Chicago. Okay. All right. And yeah, Ripley's not very happy to see him. He's just like, we're not close. He goes in there. He's like, keep it down. Like, why are you here? What are you doing? But Sully is coughing. So Ripley's like, okay, well, let's do more tests. Let's just be safe. So we do the test and it turns out that Sully is showing early signs of lung cancer. And Sully's just not having it. He's just like, I came to get my hand patched up because I got into a bar fight at the ass crack of dawn. What? Um, yeah, he's like, I just came in here to get my hand patched up. And now you're telling me I might have cancer. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing this. We're not. I'm not listening to you, basically. 
And so clearly when Ripley says he's like, we're not that close, clearly that's not the case. Because he then goes to Dr. Charles and asks if they can do a capacity check because, again, Sully's not listening to what he's having to say. And Dr. Charles just points out he's like, you know, refusing tests doesn't really count. And then he even says, he's like, I have to ask you, would you be pushing for this if it were just a regular patient? And, you know, he just tells them that there's nothing they can do. So naturally, all of this culminates in a fight inside the ED. What? No other solution. I'm not going to lie. When this happened, I was like, man, Ripley, like, I thought better of you than this. Are you, he's a man on Chicago Med. Like, they're all going to get into a scuffle in the ED at some point. It's like, it's a rite of passage. I don't know. The they all do are it. just so tiny. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> they, they all do it. I thought better of him. I was, I was like, I was disappointed. I was like, Mitch, come on, dude. <laughs> These whole like five episodes leading up to this, I've been giving you the benefit of the doubt. And then you go and get in a fight in the ED. Really? <laughs> really? I was disappointed. Yeah. So then Ripley has this moment with Dr. Charles after. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in the mood for lecture. You don't, you, you don't know Sully. It's only one way to deal with him. By tackling him to the ground? I was just trying to get the situation under control. Mm, looks kind of like you lost control to me. So file a complaint. Let's go see Archer and Miss Goodwin. Come on, let's get it over with. So, so you can lose your job? Is that, is that what you want to do now? Yeah, I screwed up. I screwed up, okay? I know that. I'm just trying to... Just trying to look after the guy. I get that, but ideally you don't want to risk your job in doing so. If I'd never left Chicago, I'd probably have been right there with him at that bar throwing down beside him. That's how tight we were. But I wanted out of that life and I got out. And that's a good thing, right? But can be a little more complicated for the people who feel, you know, left behind. You know, having said that, I think he came here looking for you. Because he trusts you. Why won't he listen to me? Maybe he wasn't looking for some guy in a white coat with a fancy degree. Maybe he's just looking for his friend. I'm not going to lie. The minute they got in that fight, I was like, Archer is going to rip him a new one. I was like, Archer is going to be like irate and it's going to be amazing. So when he was like, let's go get Archer and Miss Goodwin, I was like, mm, you sure about that? Sure you want to do that? So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, and Dr. Charles makes a good point. He's like, you know, maybe he didn't want to see Dr. Ripley. Maybe he just wanted to see his friend. Yeah, and I did love that Dr. Charles was the, was the one that was like, what, so you can get fired? Like, no, we're not doing that. And yeah. I, I do think that's going to go a long way with Ripley where it's like he had his back. He probably shouldn't have had his back, but he did. Um, so I did, I loved that moment. I thought that was great. Um, but yeah, I, Dr. Charles, of course, is going to be the, like, going to bring the sense, right? Like, <laughs> he's going to interpret that to the most, you know, logical conclusion that if these men would actually open up their mouths and talk to each other, they would find themselves. <laughs> but yeah, um, I love yeah. that. I thought it was great. 
I mean, I feel like, like, I agree with what you said. I think that should go a long way in terms of forgiveness because Dr. Charles covered for him when he could have very yeah. easily just hung him out to dry. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the very end of the episode, Ripley meets Sully at a bar and just kind of slips him an inhaler. And he just says, he's like, if you need anything, anything at all, you know where I'm hiding. Doesn't matter where, when, I got you. So I feel like we will probably see more of him and he will probably put Ripley in precarious situations. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. <laughs> I honestly didn't think of it as like he's going to put him in more precarious situations. I just thought he was going to. I don't know. I didn't even really honestly know if I got the vibes that like we'll see him again. I I don't know. I, I think they left it open. I think I, I'm not saying I don't know if you definitely will, but I think there's a strong possibility of it. I, and I think with the two of them, the dynamic that I got a sense of is that they probably were extremely close but you know you everybody at one point in your life you have that friend that you think about and you're like you know they're actually not good for me you love them but they're not good for you yeah so you kind of have to leave them behind and I think that's what he meant by we're not close which is we're not close now you know like I and I think he chose not to be close to him is is the vibe that I'm getting well yeah because he he even says something along the lines of like I left that behind in the past like I wanted to get out of Chicago for that you know right because I didn't want to end up like him yeah. so I do think that dynamic alone even without the cancer would be a reason to bring him back because how many characters on these shows have had problematic friends that get them into trouble when they really yeah. shouldn't let them get them into trouble. Uh, so I, I definitely think that's like a staple of one Chicago when you have a new. I mean, even Sylvie had that friend that did that for her, right? Like Hope. Yeah, they all have that one friend that shows up and is is like bad news. So I, 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 I think it's a strong possibility for that alone. I think the cancer sort of adds the the guilt and the stakes on to Ripley, right? So I don't know. I, I don't know. I think. For me, like, I thought Sully was fine. And, like, obviously you kind of get that, like, okay, like, back in the time when Dr. Charles knew Ripley, like, yeah, he obviously got into a lot of trouble. He was not a good person, not a, you know, whatever. I got that vibe. But once they started talking last week, or was it the before, about Ripley's mom, at this point, I'm just like, okay, bring me more of that. Like, I'm already ready for that. Like, at this point, I'm like, if Sully comes back, okay, fine. But, like... That's I'm like, I got that part of the puzzle of Ripley's Pass unlocked. I'm like, okay, bring on the next part of the puzzle. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying I need it to happen. I, I'm but I'm I think it's likely. You know, like objectively, if I look at it, I think it's probably likely. But I I don't necessarily need him to come back. Yeah. <laughs> like I would be fine if he didn't, but it kind of feels like he probably might at some point <laughs> resurface yeah. somewhere. We'll see. We will see. Mm -hmm. So last up, we've got Maggie and Archer. This is a pair that we don't often see. I honestly I like am trying to think about, like, have we ever seen it? I'm sure we have, but, like, very, very rarely. I like it. Yeah, I, like I liked it. it. Yeah. So. I, what I what I love about Med is that they do this a lot, where they mix all the characters up and everybody works with a new person. And there's always new character dynamics. And, like, well, I'm trying I to remember. Hmm, which season was it? They went on a run for a little while, though, where they weren't, and it was like, yeah. okay, like, 
it's time to switch it up. And then, but yes, when they switch it up, it works really well. When they yeah, don't I mean, switch it up, it's like, okay. Right. Like you guys were talking, you know, last week about med hit, or was it last episode about med hitting its stride? Um, yeah. And I think that's why, right? Like, I think when they hit their stride is when they started mixing things up a bit and you started getting all these different people working together and it really felt like they all knew each other, you know, as opposed to like, like kind of what they do on PD where it's like you have these characters and these characters and these characters and never the twain shall meet, right? Um, but I think once they started doing that, it brought back the whole like team found family dynamic as well. So I, I like that. I think they do a, a good job. I think there are definitely some things that like, to, I mean, really both PD and Fire could learn from Med as far as like certain things that they do that I think are are really smart. Um, you know, like the plots in this episode, <laughs> there's no romance on this show right now. And yet every episode is really interesting. So there's professional plots, there's personal plots that you can do that aren't romance that the audience enjoys right so i think fire could learn from that i think as far as like the found family dynamic mixing up the characters i think pd could learn from that so i just think med's doing some really some really smart things and i'm enjoying it but this pairing in particular i i really liked i like their like the mix of their values and their personality traits yeah go for it brenna all right so we find out and we start and we find out that Maggie has been sleeping in the on-call room. Um, and Doris even asks her, she's like, are you okay? Like, you know, you've been spending a lot of time in the ED since she got divorced. And Maggie's like, well, because my house doesn't feel like a home anymore and I feel like a stranger there. So you're telling me that she still lives and they still live in the same house? Is that the vibe you're getting? Anyone else is getting? Or is she just feeling like because it feels weird that like he's not there anymore yeah I, i'd go with the latter yeah i think it's more like you know that song a house is not a home i think it's yeah. more like that sort of like the metaphorical sense of like it's not literally cozy. my first not... reaction i was like you can't tell me they're like divorced now and like nobody's moved out i was like that that's would be like weird i was like that come on now especially because like... they were fighting over a cat like if you live in yeah. the same place why are you fighting over a cat yeah yeah but it's yeah I think it was more of like a metaphorical sense of like okay. I have that's what I got to house. eventually, but like the first time it, she said that, I was like, "Wait, huh?" Yeah, <laughs> it's just because by the end, like I got it, but like I was like, "Yeah, yeah." It was a weird way to. I mean, it was a little bit of a weird way to say it. Also, yeah. I have a question: Have we ever seen this on call room with the bunks in it before this season? Is that a new set? Because I that's don't remember question. them having bunks. Uh now i feel like i'm getting that this show and Grey's anatomy mixed together which i mean obviously we know about Grey's anatomy but i'm like the scenes of it i'm i want to say yes but i don't okay. remember i don't know i didn't remember it before this season like they started showing it and i was like where did this come from so either i haven't been paying attention which is I very be wrong but i want to say yes but i could be wrong okay I mean, like, it's very possible because really all I remember is like the locker room, break room area. Um, so I don't, but I mean, that could be my memory. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, that's off topic. Back on topic. <laughs> so basically Archer and Maggie, like we said, work together. They end up getting a mother and son. The son has an ostomy bag and, and he was shot a few months back. So 
yeah really he's been through a lot as a however old teenager uh then he has like a promising future because like he's really into basketball and unfortunately kind of the timing of everything is that like the way right now that his because they're on vacation or they're traveling they're not from chicago so their pediat his pediatric surgeon back home is like 10 months is the recovery and if he you know if they go for the full 10 months then that means like he will miss out basically on college scouts recruiting him so there he loses any chance to go to college on you know a basketball scholarship so archer checks him out and archer's like look like i think we should go ahead and do the surgery that same day and the mom is like no i think we're gonna stick with the home you know home doctor's advice um and she explains to maggie later that it's like since he was shot they've kind of settled into this like normal routine um caleb however that's the son's name he continues to pepper dr archer with like a bunch of questions which of course like dr archer's not gonna lie about you know he has no reason to lie to this kid um but maggie overhears the mom and catches her on the way out and we get this I'm sorry that you're leaving, but Dr. Archer is an excellent surgeon, and he just wants to do what's right by your son. I really don't want to discuss this again. I know you're afraid, and it makes sense with everything that you've gone through. What we're still going through. Of course, it's understandable that you would want to hold on to what's familiar while you can, while your world has been turned inside out. It has taken everything i've got just to make it this far deb i don't know if i can go through this again right now what if it goes wrong i don't think i can handle that at least this way i know what tomorrow looks like i understand but this life now is it worth holding on to knowing that there's a possibility of another way. I really appreciate, I mean, one of the things I think Med does very well is I think Med uses the patients as a really good way to like talk about like the personal things that the doctors or nurses or whatever have going on. So like the fact that I feel like Maggie was the perfect person to be talking to the mom in this situation and like obviously it ultimately like reflects on her and like when she, as she's telling it to the mom i think she realizes that like oh like i probably need to be taking my own advice um so i really thought maggie was the perfect person in that scenario for that so um and ultimately the mom ends up consenting to the surgery and it's a success um which is great um and Caleb's really excited because he's got like eight weeks, you know, recovery, but otherwise he can go back to playing basketball, which is really fun. Um, and Maggie decides she's going home and she's like, look, you know, I think it's finally time that I move on. And she's right. She will be better off for finally, you know, moving on. She'll get there. Mm -hmm. She'll get there. Um, the moving on just needs to involve the helicopter guy that's all that's mm -hmm. that's my only request <laughs> yes my he suggests moving on by helicopter that's uh, <laughs> uh, i like it yeah yeah so yeah uh any other notes on med this was a good one 
It was good. good not like we said earlier, not as like va va boom as like maybe the other ones, but like it, it was definitely it, it was a it's a solid episode for sure. Yeah. It definitely didn't hold my attention as much as like previous episodes. Um again, even when I rewatch, like I'm still obviously I'm in a very like Bretzy headspace. And so I was still like checking Twitter while I was watching. And it it was very easy to like tune it out. And I think that's how I know, like, it wasn't grabbing me the way most episodes normally do is like my attention drifted. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was still a very good episode. And like I said, I I really think Med is, is doing some smart things that the other two shows aren't doing so well occasionally. So. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. We usually stretch it out before PD, but I'm going to suggest we do that before fire too tonight, <laughs> just because like. This is this is Logan's like Christmas Super Bowl and Olympics rolled into one. It really is. So, All like, like crouched down into 42 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> so much happens in this episode. I'm just like. I don't, it's like some sort of sorcery that they got all of this in, in 42 to 43 minutes. I don't understand. <laughs> like what? <laughs> so, so I will start by saying this. So Andrea wrote this episode, which I mean, perfect fitting. She's been with the show since day one. Absolutely. There's nobody better to have written this episode. This episode was damn near perfect. Damn near perfect. It had the feel of the old Chicago fire episode. Yep. Yeah which I have missed so much and didn't realize that I missed until this app. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I read an interview where she actually said that Derek consulted on oh, this. Oh, I didn't know because that. That makes yeah. all the sense in the world. And the, the reason she had him consult is because, you know, he loves Kara and he loves Sylvie and she couldn't imagine like writing her exit without having his input on how to do it. And so like he, he consulted um, so there's several things in here that are just like trademark Derek that I was like, yeah, I, I can tell. I can tell that uh, that's what happened here. But Andrea did write it. He just like consulted, which I take it to mean like they had conversations about like how to handle it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's a great episode. And I, Andrea and Michael wrote a lot of like Bretzy, the really strong Bretzy episodes. So when the Rotten Tomatoes like cast and crew thing came out and it said written by Andrea, I was like, okay, like I, I feel pretty good about that. Um, I think there's sometimes where her episodes sort of stumble a bit with certain characters, but I don't feel like if it's an exit and if it's a Bretzy focused episode, I, I didn't have concerns about that. <laughs> you know, like I was pretty sure I was going to be happy with it. I think there were some things going into it that like, a little bummed about just because things that they hadn't done in the previous five episodes that I knew were like big dreams but like it felt like they had plenty of time to do them if they wanted to which clearly they didn't I I have some just in general criticism about Brett's professional development <laughs> and why paramedicine just sort of like disappeared um and the whole concept of them choosing to write her out like I understand but I have like very complicated thoughts about it. Like I'm holding two things at once, you know, like part of me is like, all right, well, if you're not going to use her and if you're not going to do anything with her besides throw men at her and she's just going to be sad and miserable because she's not with Casey, then yeah, of course, like 
write her out. I'd rather her be happy and off screen than miserable and on screen. Right. But also there's no reason that that should be the case. Like there's plenty of things to do with Sylvie that they just don't do. Like they could do professional plots, personal plots. Her family is just in Indiana. It's not like they live forever away. And Amelia and Scott are an hour and a half away. And she's got connections there that they could use. I uh, I don't understand why they can't do personal plots that aren't romantic or professional development plots. And because they haven't really done professional development with medics. Like Violet is the first one they've really done that with overall. Uh, I mean, Gabby, they had her become a firefighter, but that's not her development as a medic. That's her development from medic to firefighter. So I have some general criticisms about those things, but those are choices that, you know, they make with certain characters to only have them do certain things and whatever, that's up to them. I, I don't know, but I I just think that's for having a female showrunner. I think I just expected more. Okay, um, well, well, hang yeah. on, hang on. I mean, this is Andrea's first season running the show solo. Yeah. Yeah, although, I don't know. Okay, we may as well just, I, there's an elephant in the room, let's just address it. Okay, so uh, there was an interview that popped up earlier this week with Kara, and it might did Emily do it? Emily might have done it. No, it was, at, well, there were a few of them, like, Ashley did one, Lizzie did one, um, I but don't a- think Emily. Lizzie did one with Andrea. Yeah, so yeah, that's what we're saying. Ashley at Telltale. Oh, okay. Ashley yeah. at Telltale yeah. did one. The Telltale one was the first one I read. Yeah, yeah. So that was Ashley. Yes, De- another dear friend of the pod who we love very much. Um, yeah, okay, so I feel like going into this this entire time, we were under the assumption that this was Kara's choice. We were all just kind of like, there. this has to be the case. It's been 10 seasons. I mean, she's probably leaving of her own accord. Didn't even hit me until last week when we were about to get on with Kara and I was like wait a second we never got confirmation as to whether this was her choice lo and behold we find out in these interviews that it was a creative decision to end her story and 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 write her out which I feel like kind of put a damper on things not a big damper but a little one it did for me. <laughs> uh, I think it could have, I would have preferred that not come out until like postmortems. I don't know why it had to be in preview interviews um, because it did, it took me like a, a full night to recover from it. Like I, I read it and I was like, mm, now I'm sad for Kara. Cause I know I follow all the cast on social media. Like I've kept up with her. I know how much she loves like the cast and crew and the show. Like, Kara, <laughs> knowing that it wasn't her decision, just like reinforces that Kara would have stayed until the place burned down. Like <laughs> she was not going anywhere. Um, and so this is why it's a complicated thing for me. Like I have two, I'm holding two things at once. Like I'm very happy for the Bretzy Endgame. I appreciate it. It's my ship. I love both of these characters. The fact that they get to be happy together is is everything to me. But also, I I like Kara. I love Kara. And I know she loves those people and she loves that work and she loves representing first responders. And so it it made me sad because like that's her, that's like her family. And so it was like, oh, like it's just like the two sides of me. And also the part of me that's been disappointed in her storyline since Matt left was sort of like, like, uh, I feel like she they haven't been taking advantage of Kara. <laughs> um, 
to the way that they should. Even in this season, there were things that I'm like, why, why'd you do it that way? <laughs> you know, like, why, why is that the choice? Um, but <laughs> so in my mind, I'm like, when Andrea is doing her interviews and she's like, well, we tried to do this and we tried to do that. And obviously it just wasn't working. And I'm like, you tried to have her date someone else. Like, that's all you did was you introduced Dylan. <laughs> like, that's, that's it. And I'm like, could there not have been something else that you could have tried with her? But I don't want to complain too much because I got my end game and it's a beautiful episode and she she handled it well. So it's like this weird dichotomy in my brain. I'm just like, it's a very complicated place to be in my head right now. And that's okay. I'm also don't I'm also not in the writer's room. So I don't know like what came from NBC. Like, you know, because they get notes from the network and they get notes obviously from Dick Wolf as well, because there's a big controversy about that with SVU and organized crime. So like I don't know what parts of it are assigned to who you know like I so I don't want to be too overly critical either because I don't know how the politics of that work (laughs) there's a whole other side of it that like I have no insight into but I would be curious to ask (laughs) and find out what the answer is like why didn't we really see professional development with Sylvie I would love to know the answer to that question because it was like after Jesse left they it was like her professional the plots just like halted they did paramedicine for like a little and then it just petered off so i don't know i don't know i don't know i, w- I would just like to ask like wh- why why didn't we get more professional development with sylvie brett i feel like I, the that's... answer to that is probably because it's an ensemble show and it's the biggest ensemble of the three shows but that didn't stop i don't them think from... I don't think I, I was going to say, I think you'll get Gina's answer. I think there may or may not be a different answer. I don't know. But like, you're never going to hear a real answer to it. We're you're never going to hear. I mean, I that's know the that, answer but you're going to hear. If you tell me that my thoughts is, but that didn't stop you from Stella's professional development. It didn't stop you from Violet's professional development. It didn't stop you from Severide's professional development. Like, Severide it being an ensemble show. Yeah, it being an ensemble show doesn't stop anybody else from getting professional development. So why does it stop Brett from getting professional development? Mm-hmm. I I know I'm never going to get a straight answer. It's just in my head, these are the questions that I have that I would I would like to have a straight answer. And I know I'm not alone because, you know, I I'm in I'm <laughs> tapped into the Brett C fandom. We all have the same thoughts. We all love Sylvie Brett. And there's things that we would have liked to have seen that we didn't get to see. And that's going to be the case no matter what. You're not going to make everybody happy ever. And I honestly try not to be too picky. I try to manage my expectations so I don't end up crushed. <laughs> um, but that was one. That's just one that's going to be in my head for a while. Is like, if you're going to try things, why not try that? Um, but again, I don't have the full insight into the room and like what happens and how it happens. I'm not there. So <laughs> I don't know. It's It's a very complicated place in my head. Like I'm happy, but then also I'm like, I'm sad for Kara. I mean, I feel like in um, terms of one Chicago yeah. character exits, this might have topped Ethan and April for number one. But it's a great character exit. I, I have no qualms about that. Um, You know, I, I and again, I for as far as the content of the episode goes, I literally have one teeny, teeny, tiny criticism about the episode. And that's that Matt never held Julia. <laughs> that's oh, the only that thing I can say. Me. Because 
when it comes to the episode, that's literally the only thing because everybody held Julia except Matt. Like <laughs> Julia was in an episode and held by literally everyone. And then she was in this episode. We got Griffin. We got Stella. We got Flat. like every <laughs> Flat, everybody but Matt. And I'm like, why isn't Matt holding his adopted daughter at some point in this episode? <laughs> that's like my one teeny tiny thing for the content of this episode. Otherwise, it is like 42 to 43 minutes of just everything I could have ever wanted, you know? Do I wish we could have had Jesse for more than one episode? Yes. But am I happy with the episode we got him for? Absolutely. Like, I, this is what I'm saying. Like, I have, I I love Andrea for writing this episode. She did a great job. I think consulting with Derek was a great idea because he created these characters, right? Like, he loves them. So, I think that was just like the perfect decision. I think it felt like the Chicago fire that I fell in love with. Um, And I think it was a great episode. And the things that I have that are in my head that are sort of bothering me about this are not about Sylvie Brett. (laughs) Really. It's, it's just about Carrie Kilmer (laughs) because I love Kara and not everybody does. So not everybody's going to have the same questions and thoughts as me. So, but that's just, you know, that's just me. (laughs) But as far as this episode goes, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, you can't argue with that. It's, And I think it's interesting. I feel like every time Jesse comes back, everybody puts their best foot forward. <laughs> I think mm. best foot forward. I think that's such, it's so weird that like literally everyone is like, okay, Jesse's here. We got to like be the best that we can be, you know? And uh, I don't know. I just think that's an interesting thing. Um, yeah. And I love seeing his face. I don't care. He can come back anytime he wants. I just it's always good to see I... Jesse Spencer. There's just something so comforting. Like that that was the other thing about this episode too, is that like between Matt's return and then Severide leading squad again, it was just, it was familiar and it felt good. There was what? something about Severide like barking orders at the expo call that I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> this feels right. <laughs> well, and it was well balanced with the characters. I think everybody had a little moment, right? Where they, they got to shine a little bit. I mean, even Gibson and he's brand new. So I like, I feel like the distribution of uh, screen time. I mean, obviously it had to be focused on Brett and Casey because <laughs> it's their wedding and, and it's Brett's exit. But I think what they did with the rest of the screen time was really well balanced I think we got progress with every character uh, and um, it was just, it was a really good episode. And I loved Stella Ride in this episode too. I thought it just felt so good. It's like, this is, and like, I know we've been talking about how like, it's been weird with Severide this season. Like, it's just hard to tell for the character what level of investment he has. And I feel like this was, this was Kelly Severide that we know and love. This was the Kelly Severide, right? And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Um, yeah. I this was a great, it was a great episode. Like I said, I have yeah. one teeny, weeny, tiny complaint. And it's something they could have filmed in two seconds. And I'm like, why? But it's fine. It's fine. I can live without it because everything else was phenomenal. Okay, let's get into some of this plot so we have a decent bedtime tonight, even though that's not going to happen. Okay, Brenna, you did the outline for this one, and I see some of your comments, like, sprinkled throughout this. No, those are Logan's comments. Those are not my comments. Oh, my goodness. Um, 
I did not realize that. Okay, let's this is go. What do- happens when you give me access to the outline and you're like, I'll put your thoughts in there. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna put my thoughts in there. Yeah, we, we, I mean, this again, this is your this is your Christmas, it's your Olympics, it's your Super Bowl, you know, it's all of it, it's your NBA finals all rolled into one. And that's not all I have. I have notes on my phone as well because oh I didn't God. there were parts of this like I didn't want to get it too crowded. So like I also have notes on my phone. <laughs> okay. So we start this episode. And again, Brett is freaking out because she's like, how the hell am I going to tell Casey that we're getting married in a fish store? Which again, like, it's kind of funny. It's funny. But the other thing that I enjoyed through this episode is that the whole the whole episode, you could tell how sentimental that place was to Tony. I love Tony in this episode yeah. so much. I just love the fact that like, this season in particular they've given him like even not related to this stuff like they've given him so much to do and it's like it's so good it's so good but yes you can see how like how much this place means to him and like it was how he's like kind of offended that it's like just a fish store yeah like everyone i put in the in the violet section later because that yeah. scene is really more about violet i i put in there his comment about like i don't like the way you say fish store because that yeah. was so funny <laughs> i thought yeah. that was so cute um yeah i loved it so we start off here and you know again sylvie's just like oh my god we're getting married in a fish store what are we doing and so leave it to mouch to like provide some levity because he's cracking fish puns it's the best. I love a good pun. <laughs> like the cheesier, the better puns make me laugh so hard. The one that really got me was "Let's just take it easy." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one was great. But one that's the name, the actual name of the store they filmed in is "Tank It Easy." Oh, um, so I like that they threw that in. That's there, hysterical. Yeah, I did not know that. That's funny. yeah. It's the actual name of the store because you know I'm obsessed with filming, so like I, I know all the details. Does that just like stop now? Oh, yeah. Actually, so technically that stopped after Jesse left until we got down to like 1118 when he came back. And then after that, I was like, well, now I just have to look everything up again. And so like I was right back into like looking up the permits, looking up the casting calls, like trying to find all the details that I could and finding normal people who just happen to witness things on the street. <laughs> like, you know, um, that's definitely that's do- I'm done with that now. Like I, I you know, I that's fine. I don't really need to do it anymore. But yeah, this season I was back in it, like <laughs> on top of it. So I have uh, some answers to some questions later. But yeah, so the it, it was the the real store was called Tank It Easy. Um, and so I love a good pun. Yeah, I that like that funny. they threw that in there just because it was it was nice. But yeah, I loved Mouch in this. I also have to mention this scene also had Ritter in it, and as someone who loves, like mouch as like a a mentor as like a caring like fatherly figure ritter and brett are his kids like those are his children (laughs) his like adopted little first responder children and so i really liked all three of them in this scene together i thought it was very sweet and i loved ritter sort of like being the interpreter (laughs) yeah yeah so funny (laughs) Yeah, and so Casey comes in, and it's just so good to see him. Oh, it's just so nice. I was so glad it happened so early in the episode, because my big complaint about 11.22 was like, we were 15, 16 minutes into the episode, and I'm like, where's Casey? What are you doing to me? Well, see, I think it's interesting that you you said earlier, your only complaint is that he didn't hold Julia. Mine was that he didn't ask about Gallo. 
Oh, yeah, I could see that. That's kind of, yeah. What do you mean that moment. he didn't ask about Gallo? That he was like, where's Gallo? Well, where's Gallo? Or yeah. like, you know, I saw Gallo's doing well in oh, wherever he went, you know. Oh, I thought you meant by asking. I was like, but like, guys, he's engaged to Brett. Like, Brett already told him he's gone. Like, I don't know. I... Well, that's true. That would make sense. Because, yeah, I loved, by the way, in the previous episodes, I loved how almost every episode they gave Sylvie a chance to say, Matt and I talked. Because I was like, yeah, after that separation, those two are never being out of touch ever, ever again. Um, I do feel like yeah. I agree that like I think Gallo's presence like was if I had to like pick a tiny 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 complaint it would be that like it would have been nice for a Gallo mention or like that like honestly in a perfect world that like he would have been there but like I get it yeah but yeah no I mean I feel like it was obvious he didn't say where's Gallo because like he knows he yeah he knows yeah. <laughs> I, but I also okay it's a joke in the Bretzy fandom that Gallo is Bretzy's oldest child. So <laughs> I, <laughs> um, and so I did like, I did feel it a little bit too, where it's like, this is the first time Casey's been back and Gallo's not there. And like, that was kind of sad. So I, I get that. It definitely wasn't my first thought as a criticism, but I do understand that because I did notice it, especially because when Gallo left, they had him come back for the ax um, that, that Casey gave him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so sylvie tells him what's going on and she's like so it's less aquarium more of like a fish supply store ritter says that ritter's the one that's like because i love that like she can't break the news she's like i don't know what to say and so ritter just throws it out there and i thought that was so cute um yeah it's great. And Casey being the stand-up guy he is, he straight up says, he's like, I don't care where we get married. As long as it's you and me there, we're all good. I mean, they've waited long enough, right? Right. Well, I also love, she like gets really, there's like a moment where she's just like freaking out. She's like, I'm so sorry. This really, I like trusted Tony with it. And like, this really isn't what I wanted it to be. And he just kisses her, like interrupts her with a kiss to like cut her off and calm her down and everything. And there was this like last week um, when we saw the promo. I saw this meme going around about Rapunzel and Flynn Rider and how they were like overdramatic girlfriend and uh, understanding boyfriend. And I retweeted it. And I was like, if this is not Casey and Brett next episode, I'm going to be so disappointed <laughs> because that's just the perfect dynamic for them. Sylvie's going to get worked up over things and Matt's going to be like, big picture. <laughs> and that's exactly what this was. And I was so happy with it. Like I got I got a couple of DMs after that that was like, you got your wish. I was like, yes, I did. I'm very happy. <laughs> so yeah not only did you get your wish i think we all got our wish and that we got a turnout room makeout scene yeah we did that's been on my wish list for years literal years i was so happy <laughs> why do i feel like the only other time we've seen a turnout makeout was severide and nikki in season one there have been others right have there been others i feel, I feel like, like they've been others I feel like they've implied that there are others because I definitely think there was a moment in like season eight or nine where Foster said something about it and everybody was like Stella and Severide, obviously. Um, so I think they've implied it more than they've shown it. That's another game we've got to play. You know, Brian, we always play the game of like who's had sex on the bar at Molly's, who's hooked up in the turnout room. Uh, currently, I mean, Stellaride, obviously. Obvi. I think that turnout room has stories to tell. 
I wrote yeah. a fic one time telling on myself for writing fanfic, sorry. Um <laughs> where I had like them debating the best like makeout spots in the firehouse. Um yeah, and the turnout room was definitely like everybody's top. <laughs> Oh my god, can I just like put this out there now that like if and when Derek Gibson and Kylie have their first kiss, can it please be in the turnout room? I, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, not complaining. We'll get there, but we will get there. I would love that. That would be amazing. But yeah, so Casey and Brett are talking and, you know, Casey's like, are you ready for this? Like, we're moving to Portland, leaving 51, us and the kids in one house, us oh and the God. kids in one house. Oh, my God, I'm freaking out. And the kids. They have kids, like literal kids. It's everything they ever wanted. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy. It's so it's crazy. amazing. I'm, I'm so happy. <laughs> it's great. It's really great. Yeah. And aside from just that, obviously amazing, they're so flirty and like glowy. And I'm just like, yeah, this is everything I've ever wanted. This whole episode had the essence of like a season two, season three episode. It was so beautiful and wonderful. It was great. But I loved their their banter in this scene where she's like, first of all, when it started, they're like making out and she's like, will you marry me? He's like, can I, can I have a couple days to think about it? And it's like, <laughs> okay, you're cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Then they get into this discussion. <laughs> and um, when he asked that, she's like, well, it's a little late to ask me now. And then they get into like her potentially leaving him at the altar. And I love that he teases her about the fish store. Cause he's like, it'd be pretty brutal to leave a guy at the altar at a fish store. Yeah. It's so cute. She like grabs him by his lapels and she's like, I said I was sorry. <laughs> he was so cute. I so, like, we haven't, and selfishly, we haven't had a lot of like moments for them to flirt because yeah. Jesse left in like episode five right after they got together. So I was just happy they, they took a moment to let them like be flirty and cute. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. So then everybody gets called to the big fire at the expo center, which like, Bryna, we need the clown masks because last week we were like, Derek Gibson's going to get hurt. He's going to die. Something really bad is going to happen. Not even close. <laughs> no. Not even close. Still many, hey, listen. We're not on the clown mask yet because we'll get to that whole situation there. But yeah. we are clown masks about this scene specifically. Yes. Yeah. So the Expo Center call is kind of cray. And by kind of, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, so first of all, when they get in the ambo, Violet points out, she's like, this is this could be your last call at 51. I was like, I was fine until you said that, Violet. Thank you. I know. The reminder. Like, oh, great. My heart. Yeah. So Wonderful. basically there was a, an explosion slash fire at this expo center. A fire. A fire. fire. Air quotes. Fire. Yes. <laughs> Air quotes. And so all of this chaos is happening. There's smoke, all this crazy stuff. And Sylvie spots this guy just kind of like aimlessly wandering on the second floor. So she's like, well, shit. So I'm gonna go get him. Well, well, doesn't really work out the way it's supposed to. So this guy presents, to, he, he, he obviously looks like a security guard, looks but he's got a massive cut on his arm. Like, it's not even a cut. It's like his arm is like halfway off, pretty much. And Brett basically finds herself in a situation eerily reminiscent to that helicopter episode in season three. You guys remember the one I'm talking about? I mm-hmm. do. I 
Listen, it's a tradition on this show for Sylvie Brad to be held at gunpoint. So, like, they had to do it one more time before she left. <laughs> but, yeah. yes, um, I, yeah, where she saves the guy and he holds a gun at her. And she's like, listen, I don't care what you do. I'm just, I'm just trying to save your life, man. And then he gives her the card and is like, let me know when you need me. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, she puts the pieces together pretty quickly that, like, oh, I'm screwed. Yeah. Like, and so you know he's like you can't call for backup like don't do anything so like you know violet's trying to find her location she's not answering stella's in the middle of the fire and she's like something's wrong and then you've got casey and Bowden back at the firehouse who are like watching this like it's football they're just kind of like "Ooh, this person called this this person called that and then they were like oh something's up i yeah so first of all i want to point out that all the people that noticed something was wrong stella to mouch violet Casey are the people that love Sylvie the most, like the most, the most. Um, I loved that, that it was like this, like Stella and Malch look at each other and it's like, mm, this is not right. Violet immediately thinks something's wrong. And then Ma- Jesse Spencer, man, guy does not have to say a single word. And he's, he kills me. Like he looked up at Bowden <laughs> with like this panicked desperation on his face um that just it's two seconds and it it killed me i'm like dude i miss you because you hold a power over me with your face that like nobody else does except for kara kilmer i love the way that like they barely even had to say it once once they realized something was wrong Bowden was like i'll drive let's roll yeah Yeah. like we're gonna we'll go together yeah yeah um i love i love that i loved matt sitting at first of all I love worried Matt. Like we got this is what we're coming up on, and I put it in here in this outline is a totally felt reminiscent of nine oh two to me, which is like a top tier Bretzy episode. Um, Refresh so I, my memory. Which one was that? That Ambo he, going over the bank. Yeah, and oh. the first kiss jumps out of the moving fire truck. Yeah, to get to her. Um, and then she at in that episode, you know, she says to him, "You're always the one that's there for me in a crisis." And so here we have Brett in crisis. Yeah. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Casey and Bowden hear the call. They go over there because, I mean, once they realize that it was intentional, um, you know, Severide, Severide goes arson. He like they get into this room and they like there's a there's a ladder, there's a grenade. And he's like, hmm, a crime has been committed here. That's when they're all just like, oh, like, we got to go. We got to go. Um, and so, and I love the way that they all kind of convened together on the stairwell, like Carver and Violet were there and then Matt and Bowden were like, let's go like group trip. Okay. Yep. But they're like, they're super fast. No, <laughs> this is like literally, I saw, I don't remember if it was like on Twitter or wherever I saw it, but somebody was like, it took, by the time it took Violet to like get up the stairs, like Casey and Bowden have already shown up and like driven. <laughs> it's so true. To the expo I, center. Listen, and my response to that was, it, it's Matt Casey on a mission. He makes the impossible possible. I mean, that's the only thing you need. He's Superman. It's just, it's always going to go his way. The lights are going to be green. The sirens are going to work. He's going to get there. <laughs> okay. So I just did a quick search because I was like, let's just like, let's find this out together. Okay. So the Chicago Expo Center is not a thing so wherever no. they film that it's not called the chicago Expo. they, Expo they filmed it out in the suburbs 45 minutes outside of chicago 
So then there's no realistic way they could have gotten from but Blue Island to there. it's supposed to be, no, but it's supposed to be in Chicago. Like they chose a convention center outside of Chicago to film it, probably because it was out of the way and nobody would take pictures and spoil it. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's supposed to be inside the city. Like it's it's not supposed to be in the suburbs. Um, but that's where they filmed it. They filmed it like way far away. Yeah. Um, so, but it is supposed to be inside Chicago. So if we want to take the mental leap that this fictional place that they've created is literally right next to the firehouse, we can do that. We can make it whatever we want. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, because it doesn't really exist. So we can just say it's like two blocks over. It took them no time to get there. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> So Sylvie being the resourceful person she is at one point, I mean, she kind of, I, I think she squirted saline in his eyes or something, which I guess would burn because saline is salt, I think. I'm not a doctor. I don't fucking know. Um, but yeah, she squirts saline and like runs. And then like before that I can even get to her, I'm not even kidding you. This is like a WWE style takedown from Matt. <laughs> he like gets low, grabs the guy flips him over like all the twisting so, is like the pin and yeah. Bowden like slapping the floor and be like one two three it's all that's missing it's a full flying tackle like it's he's going for it he's he's pissed <laughs> um I loved it again it's like that you're always the one who's there for me in a crisis right like Sylvie Brett yells help and who's the guy that's gonna be there it's gotta be Matt <laughs> um and I love First of all, somebody pointed this out on Twitter, like right before we started recording, like Sylvie had plenty of opportunity to just like run as far away as she could and get to safety. But she stays the minute Matt gets involved and is like shouting to him like he's got a gun. Just FYI, like you should know this. And she stays to wait to make sure that like he's OK, Um, which I love that little quiet detail uh, in there. Did you catch Violet's face after they hugged? Yes, yeah. I have I have thoughts about that actually in here. Um okay, so I got to say, okay, so in the action, let's just go ahead and summarize it. Like Matt takes the guy down, Bowden comes in, takes like, you know, kicks the gun away. It's like, no, nah, you're not going to get a chance to use that, bro. Um <laughs> and Violet comes racing in, like she's running to Sylvie and Matt gets there before she can. Um and I loved the way he like holds her and his like hand is on her head and it's just like um anyway it to me it did feel very symbolic um first of all for sylvie because if this had been last season or the season before violet would have been the one that got to her and that was there for her to comfort her after right but matt's back in her life now he's he's her future he's her present he's her home and so of course he's going to be the one that's there first like that to me just the image of like violet stopping short because matt's already there felt very symbolic to me but also violet and carver were watching them hug uh so to me and i know mccarver is a very controversial ship but to me it did feel as if the show was sort of like passing the torch from like one stubborn ship to the next stubborn ship um and by stubborn i mean like fighting the feelings all the way um it just felt sort of symbolic that those two characters of all the members of 51 were the ones shown witnessing this like really sweet moment between men and sylvie fair fair okay so 
I want to get straight to this wedding because I mean, this is where all the good stuff is. So uh, can I just well, hold on a Bogan's- second? You forgot to talk about the fact that like once they leave the scene, Herman and Mountain Ritter are like asking a favor because they see the Chicago bridal show like on their way in. And like, oh, yeah. that's how we get to the, the decor prettiness that is. <laughs> yeah, that's wedding. how the wedding becomes beautiful. But also Bowden, the cops are talking to him. And they're talking about how amazing it is that Sylvie got away. And he's like, yeah, because Sylvie Britt is one in a million. And so, like, we just have, because it's her farewell. We have to mention that Bowden said that because it made me really emotional. She is one in a million. I know. But to, like, hear Bowden say it, like, Bowden's voice is just so comforting to me. And, like, the combination of the two is just I love how this episode didn't really feel that bittersweet. It felt like we were celebrating Sylvie. It was very joyful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was good. It was, I, I enjoyed that. And I, I'm glad it, it didn't feel mournful or heavy or like sad. It, we were celebrating Sylvie and like right. sending her off into the next chapter happily. Well, yeah. And let's talk about, they didn't have to give her a moment to like save herself. They also didn't have to give us worried Matt and like really show off their connection. And they chose to do that. Like that call could have been about anybody. I mean, you know, but they chose to give Sylvie like one last Sylvie Brett moment. And um, as someone who loves Sylvie. I just, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was great. See, that was that the other thing about. See... The... Go, go ahead. No, that was the other thing that I really liked about this call is that, you know, by, by elongating it and putting someone in peril, which we don't already, like, we don't always see, you get the personal out of it. Mm-hmm. It's not so quick as like scene, scene, call, scene, scene. And we don't, that when you elongate it, you get all of it. And so yeah. I was fully captivated do that whole thing when we went to commercial and came back i was like what oh they're they're not gonna mess her up like there's no way so yeah yeah, i mean i i I would love it if they would do that more and that felt to me i think this is where maybe derek's input might have come in because it's very derek to be like danger's over here look look over here this danger's over here but actually the real danger is not over here it's over here in this other corner you know like derek did that quite a bit where it's like magic trick look over here i'm distracting you (laughs) you know and uh so that felt very like classic fire to me um and i i loved it but yeah yeah all of that is leading to the bridal you know show where they have to get the decorations and um i love that they thought of that like 51 was like hey bridal show sign can you do us a favor for our girl sylvie uh it was very sweet proud of those guys Okay, so this this wedding was just like perfection. Here's the other thing I absolutely loved and completely like, I appreciated this so much about the wedding. They took their time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't rushed. It was not five minutes to the hour when we got to this wedding. We had a good long time to spend with them at this ceremony and at this reception. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was beautiful. Yeah. It was so good. Yes. So everybody's there. Um, first of all, the first thing that absolutely killed me, Otis is walking. He's so big. Javi's like grown too. Yeah. Like, him and Javi and Otis and Amelia all on screen together. I was like, why are they so big? I literally <laughs> almost didn't even recognize Javi. I was like, who? Oh, crap. That's it's Javi. Javi. Okay. Yeah. That is, they're so big i'm like i feel so old yeah um i but i loved it and i loved the um like the callback to otis especially at brett's wedding with Cruz there to me that was like 
little bit of room dog magic, you know, and and the room dogs were such an important like relationship friendship for Sylvie. Um, so I, I liked just the sprinkling of Otis. It was um, nice. It was nice. It, yeah, he's so like pint sized, and this is the I first know. time we've seen Otis pretty much since he was born. He's so cute. He is so cute insane it's insane but yes javi and otis amelia's there trudy and cindy are in the audience it was just it was perfection it was perfection and so and griffin is there as is julia of course i Ben was sitting next to griffin <laughs> here's okay here's the story again i follow filming right um when they started like casting the extras and everything for the wedding they put out a ton of photo doubles which photo doubles if you don't know are people that are actually going to be in the shot and they're meant to look like actors we've already seen who play characters we know uh, and they're mostly supposed to be there for like wide shots or like if the actor can't be in the wide shot they'll put the photo double in they had one for Kara at the Celluride wedding because I don't think Kara was available for all the filming of the Celluride wedding um, so it's just sort of like a placeholder <laughs> uh, I think the guy sitting in the chair next to Ben or next to Griffin was Ben's photo double. So because they casted a photo double for a Darden. They had photo doubles for Chloe, Donna, Scott, Christy, and Darden. Like a Darden. Um so supposedly all of those people were there, but it was their photo doubles who really don't look anything like them. Um <laughs> So Ben technically was there. And actually, there's been, of course, you know how people post gifts like super fast. They <laughs> like magic. Somebody color corrected a gif of um, the car pulling away at the end, which we'll get to. But you can see there's a person in the third row of seats as like Griffin is putting Julia in the car. So Ben was already in the car. Oh, okay. Um, So he was there. It's just not the actual actor. <laughs> So Ben is supposed to I be there. I almost feel like that makes it more weird. Like, I don't it's know. Weird. Like, I almost no, would it have is rather, weird. like, I mean, granted, it would have been, like, not right if, like, Griffin wasn't there. But, like, you know, it just feels even weirder than no. to be, like, all in, like, with everyone. It's like, oh, yeah, all these people, by the way, yeah. were there. But, like, yeah. you're not going to really know that that was supposed to be Christy because she looks nothing like I don't yeah, remember the don't actress, actress's it. name, but like, yeah, that's what I'm Nicole saying. Nicole like, Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. And so they also had Brett's parents, um, which were casted as actual. I think it was like, oh, people associate with the show. Like she told, yeah, she told us in our interview. Um, it wasn't, it's not Chikorotis. Um, it wasn't the stunt guy either. It was somebody else who's like heavily involved in the show. Yeah. Somebody she, it was like, that she knew them and she thought that would be good performance wise to have people that she knew playing Sylvie's parents. And it but wasn't they Lulo don't either. Mention... It was somebody who's like, no, it's no, somebody it's whose not name Lulo. we know. I'd, I'd know if it was, but um, yeah, so they, they're they there. They never mentioned that Sylvie's parents are there, but they're there just like they never mentioned Christy's there. They never mentioned Scott, even though Amelia's there. So you'd assume Scott. No, but somewhere. I think the difference is that like those are the people from the crew, whatever his name and his wife, like that's okay because like at least it's a crew member like it's hard to say like oh yeah this is matt's sister christy oh no i, I but I, like I, okay by the way this isn't actually who it, like i don't know i just feel like that is weirder no, to me 
I agree. I totally agree. I, <laughs> it was very weird, but since I, and you're not going to know any of those things unless you're like me and you're obsessed and you follow all of this stuff. Right. So like us, we're all obsessed and follow this stuff, <laughs> but like the, it's so funny to me because the, there's a dark haired woman sitting behind Stella that you sometimes see that's supposed to be Chloe. That's Chloe's photo double. <laughs> like that's not Chloe. <laughs> so it's it's not something you're gonna know because they don't actually look like anyone but that was technically supposed to be ben so can can how oh my gosh can non canonically how do i say this word canonically thank you <laughs> ben was there um and i'm trying to sort that out in my head canons because he wasn't in any of the reception shots which we'll get to but yeah no that's just stupid like i don't know i'm sorry that's just like i'd rather them just say like I don't know. I, I know. It. I I understand. Uh, it's very weird. Um, but that was, that was technically Ben. Not really, but no, it's not. I I don't <laughs> accept it at this point. And then there's like some random third stranger in their car. <laughs> there's another person in the car. It's gonna be like a slasher movie where there's a killer in the backseat. <laughs> the call's coming from inside the house. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, yeah, but That's there is funny. a third a third person in the third row of seats in that car. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is supposed to be Ben. <laughs> That's the answer. There you go. <laughs> Got it. Got it. So so Bowden gets the ceremony started because remember he's officiating. Uh, and yeah, Casey and Brett walk in. I did find it a little like there was just a little tiny bit of me that was like, oh, it's a bummer that like there's nobody to walk Sylvie down the aisle to Matt. Like it looks a little cheesy to have them both walk down the aisle together. Yeah, it was. And it was also weird. This is just a small nitpicky thing that his arm was through hers. I'm like, why isn't it the other way? Oh my God. That's like Um, an eagle eyed observation. I would have never caught that. No, I noticed it just because I was like a little strange. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was kind of interesting for them to choose for them to walk down the aisle together. But considering the exchange we get while they're walking, I'm not going to complain because I adored it. Um, just like, yeah, because they're walking down the aisle together. And so he's like, I can't believe we actually finally get to do this. And Matt's response is just, it made it, you know, that I never had a doubt. And I was like. You, you, I'm, I'm dipped. <laughs> well, yeah, you're talking to the man who bought a ring for her a year and a half and like yeah. kept it for, you know, and ever. Didn't, you but know, they broke also, up before I, yeah, yeah. But also, can we talk about how that same man who had a ring in his back pocket when Sylvie was like, "How are we going to keep doing this with so little time together?" It was like, I don't know, <laughs> dude. You have a ring. What do you mean you don't know? <laughs> Anyways, that's a reflection looking back. That I'm like, he had a ring, <laughs> and he said, "I don't know." Okay. <laughs> Anyways. I mean, uh, he was probably scared. I'm sure. Like, I can... Listen, I've written tons of fic about it. I, I have done the mental gymnastics to explain it. But it's still funny. To, in, in, a, in a Matt Casey, you're an idiot, affectionate kind of way is how I mean that. Like, <laughs> just tell her you have a ring and you eventually want to marry her. You don't have to propose right then. But just be like, I'm prepared for it. I think it would have made a difference, but... It's fine. The show did what it did, you know. Anyway, I just think it's funny looking back on it, just being like, dude. So, okay, Logan, I want your take on this. So, um, because we we'd had a lot of discussions in the group chat about the dress. Yeah. The dress that we ended up with, what yeah. did you think? I loved it. 
I think it took, okay, first of all, I I know you guys know that Kara said that all the dresses she showed us were no's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it, the one, funnily enough, the one that everybody liked was very similar. It just didn't have the sleeves. Um, it was the same like shape, like the bodice style and everything. It was a very similar dress, different lace, but the, like the shape of it, the silhouette was and She said similar. that Brett's ended up having more pink. Which yeah, I noticed a little bit. I guess the way I thought it, like I don't know. I think she made it kind of seem it was like way more pink. And I really like. I think it was one of those things. If you didn't know she said it had pink, you would have could have missed it. I think in person it probably looked right. a lot more pink. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, and I I have seen wedding dresses. What they do is they put like a pink underlayer under yeah. the lace. Yeah, and so the pink sort of comes through the lace but when you're filming that and you're in those lights it definitely did not pick up at all yeah it didn't pick up the pink but um it's probably looks absolutely pink in person um but that dress was i thought it was beautiful it was very romantic um and the lace i loved the lace um what i didn't like about the one that everybody voted for was the the sort of more old-fashioned looking smaller print lace this lace was like very broad and like wide and the design was I just thought it was gorgeous it was very Sylvie Brett they did a great job picking out that dress um and I was worried because listen I love Stella Kid. I, I did not like her wedding dress I, I it didn't look Stella to me um I wouldn't have picked that for Stella I'm trying but... to remember what hers was i mean it had a very full skirt and it was strapless and it was just like a plain sort of like satiny white it was very like princessy oh but with that up dude she slayed she looked gorgeous i'm not saying she didn't look gorgeous it's just for me when i picture stella kid i picture slinky like a little bit sexy not like cupcake (laughs) and i felt like that dress was very cupcake uh we gotta disagree Um, on that one i pulled i just pulled the picture up i we gotta disagree on that one because i love that dress I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people probably will disagree with me on that one, but I, it wasn't my favorite. Like, she looked stunning. Don't get me wrong. She just, to me, didn't look like Stella Kid. Mm. Um, number one, I would have had her hair down because I love her curls. Like, she looked fabulous at this wedding as a guest. Um, Logan, are you saying she... that down is better? Yes. That was a reference to when Hope I'd... was around. Oh, I can't, I don't remember that. It was an episode title when she was trying to get her, like, moved to somewhere else so she could have the job. It's a long time ago. Oh. I have to rewatch those. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I, so, but that's my personal opinion. I, st- I mean, obviously, Miranda's going to look gorgeous in anything. Doesn't, it's fine. But no, I loved Sylvie's dress. I thought it was perfect for her. Um, did anybody not like Sylvie's dress? Is that a curiosity? Okay. Because I haven't seen anything about that. Um, It felt very Sylvie. Yeah. And I loved like the behind the scenes story where she had like like a a little bridal party. They played music and they had like uh, little like mocktails and uh, she tried on different dresses with like Miranda and Hanako there. It was cute. A little say yes to the dress moment. Um. Yeah. Anyway, I I love the dress. I thought it was gorgeous, and I loved her hair down, like in that like half up, half down, um, style. I thought she looked stunning. 
It was very pretty. I'm, all the women look stunning. I was obsessed with Hanako's dress too. I mean, Hanako's dress was so sexy. Uh, I loved it. And I love her shorter haircut. Like, it, yeah, every, everybody looked beautiful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Literally everyone looked beautiful. For sure, for sure. So, okay, let's get into these vows. Let's just play them. Sylvie Brett, getting here to this place was the toughest battle of my life. It was worth every moment because we're here now. You are my port in the storm. The most generous, caring person I've ever known. And sometimes the most stubborn. So not true. You would say that. <laughs> <laughs> we were apart too long. But now I promise that you'll never be alone. That I will always be by your side. And that this, the two of us together, is a fire that will never go out. I had to get a fire metaphor in there somewhere. I appreciate it. <laughs> I guess it's my turn, okay. Here's why I wanted to get married in the aquarium. Years ago, you and I took Amelia to go and see the fishes there, do you remember? I remember. What you probably don't know is that is when I realized that you are the only man for me. The way you were with her, I knew you were born to be a father. And when you decided to be a father to the Darden boys, it only made me love you more, even though I was trying so hard to let you go. And I couldn't. Just like you said, we were meant to be. And we were meant to be a family. War. I like melted at Casey's vows. Oh, they're so perfect. They're so perfect. Okay, first of all, look. <laughs> I, have, I have thoughts. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to try it. I'll try and make it short. No, but okay. So he says the toughest battle of his life. And like, if you think about that in the context of Matt Casey and all the hell he's gone through, the implications of how emotionally torturous it was to be apart from Sylvie Brett, I, I'm just like, I'm dead. I'm dead already. Like that's, that's line one. And I'm like, oh, the toughest battle of your life was trying to find your way to Sylvie Brett. That's great. I am on the floor. Thank you very much. Um, Yeah. <laughs> Because he's been through some shit, okay? Um, and for him to say that was just crazy to me. And then the little joke about her being stubborn. Okay, so I have to address this because I did see some confusion where people were like, what? And I'm like, okay, let's put it in the context of their relationship. So Sylvie fought her feelings literally every step of the way, even after they were together because she broke up with him, right? Like at every point where she's had insecurities or doubts thrown at her, it it's always come back to, I think, this is my character analysis of her, that she feels like it's not going to go her way. You know, there's that, as as hopeful and idealistic as it is, as she is, as much of a romantic as she is, when it comes to her personally, there's a lot of abandonment issues. Because <laughs> she's been left behind a lot. 
So I think um, that was probably a reference to that, right? Where like he wanted her to move with him in the first place and she has all these things that she needed to work through emotionally where she's moved for people or moved away from people before and she didn't want to do that again. And like all the back and forth with like she really does love him, but at the same time, is Gabby an issue or when they broke up because they're not in the same place? You know, everything that they've been through at every point, it was sort of like Sylvie sort of pushing him away. Um, and so I think it's it's sort of like that, where it's like she's stubborn in the sense that when she has an emotional issue, it's hard to address it. One, because she doesn't let a lot of people in to address it. And two, because she just, it's like forced through the trees, forced for the trees through her. Like she gets caught up in it and spins out, which is what she did earlier with the fish door. Um, I, I So I think that's what it was. Because a lot of people were like, is she really that stubborn? And I'm like, if you think about it in their context, absolutely yes. Um, <laughs> and then, okay, this is the part. I just talked about her abandonment issues. So he says, I promise that you will never be alone, that I will always be by your side. I'm, I'm, I saw somebody tweet this and I can't remember who, and I wish I could give them credit. They said that Matt spent this entire episode reaffirming to Sylvie that this was forever. Like, this is it. At every moment he could, that was the message that he was sending to her and in their vows, especially because Sylvie has had so many people leave her behind even people that she still loves, that she still has a positive relationship with, have left her. Um, and that also she was adopted. Her She grew up knowing that she was adopted, that her birth parents gave her up for some reason. She's got these deep-seated abandonment issues. And nothing ever really seems to go her way. She seems to get this close to happiness and then it's like ripped away from her. So the fact that Matt sees that and he knows that and he understands that and he's actively now working to reassure her is just it's everything to me as a fan of Sylvie Brett and a fan of Matt Casey and wanting them to be happy um I absolutely loved it I, I loved it so much especially because the last time they talked about sort of like their doubts and their fears his response was like I don't know which isn't very reassuring and so I kind of see that as character growth on his end too where like He's being more active with making sure that she knows where they stand. She knows what's going on and she can't doubt it. There's no way. Um, it's just, it's beautiful as someone who knows their histories as well as I do as someone who's like lived in those histories. <laughs> um, it's brilliant. I, I don't know. I just, it makes me very emotional. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, and like if you, Think about, too, like, she told, this is going to be a way, way throwback to, like, season three. Does anybody remember she told Joe that, like, at one point her mom had, like, an emotional breakdown and wasn't very present with the family, and so her she had an aunt that stepped in? I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it's in season three. It's when, you know, she saves the girl from the hole, and then she buys her a guitar, and her mom Oh, gets I remember upset. that. They abandoned mm-hmm. that one pretty quickly. Yeah. But in in the midst of that is when she tells Joe that her mom had sort of like a, an emotional breakdown at one point and couldn't really take care of the family. So it's things like that. There's things like that that have happened to her over and over and over again, right? Her first fiance, her like high school love, like left her at the altar and then was a gaslighter and a 
freaking asshole. We hate him. Um, you know, and then she's had partners leave. I mean, Julie died. Like, <laughs> this girl has had all this shit with all these people who have at one point or another been absent in her life. So, yeah, for him to, like, very clearly understand that and see that and know that he should address it and be comfortable enough to address it whenever he can, it's just, it's so perfectly Matt Casey. Uh, Yeah. And those are his. Sorry, I don't want to take up all the air. I feel like I'm talking a lot. Oh, my God. Did you write a whole analysis for hers, too? Not as big as Matt's. Matt's had a lot more analysis. Um because I just I know their histories and like it was so good. This is what I'm gonna say. The writing on these vows were absolutely perfect for these characters. Um self-referential to the history of the show in such subtle ways that you know that Andrea really went back and like thought about who these people are. Um it feels very true to who they are, even down to the cheesy jokes, like the fire that'll never go out. Like that's, you can't tell me that Matt Casey is not the king of corny dad jokes and that Sylvie Bright absolutely loves it every chance that he, she gets to hear one, right? Like down to that line, all of them were perfect. Um, and that's just, that's what makes it so good. And I'm so glad they gave us these vows. Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. scoot us forward because I mean we're yeah we're gonna be here for a while. No, I'm um, sorry. No, it's okay. Don't apologize. Don't apologize. I love it. Love it. Wait, love can it. I mention just one thing about Sylvie's? One thing, and then we're gonna move on. Okay, um, her vows mirrored both his proposal and nine sixteen at the end when she says we were meant to be, we were meant to be a family. Yeah, I noticed that too. That was my were. favorite part. Yeah, they it echoed both eleven twenty two and nine sixteen, which was chef's kiss so good anyway i noticed okay, that too can, that was my favorite we can part. move forward now yeah it was beautiful so yeah, yeah i now pronounce you mr and mrs bretzy they're married that's the thing that happened <laughs> it's so real man. it's so real it's so crazy oh, and then official official it's official official so we get the most perfect ceremony followed by the most perfect reception god i wish i could have had my wedding reception at molly's that would have been <laughs> freaking cool uh but yeah, they are having like the time of their life. They're all dancing to Great Balls of Fire, which well, is I think fun. that might be like honestly like one of my favorite things like this show has ever done. Like it's so comforting. It honestly felt like I was like watching like them at like a actual like somebody got married. Yeah, you and know, I like think in real life. Kara said it was like a big party, and obviously that's so accurate because that's what we watched. It's like they're all just having the time of their lives and daniel specifically was in it <laughs> like ritter he, yeah. he was he was in it i loved it <laughs> it's perfect it's so perfect uh we think we might have had drunk griffin no you definitely okay. had drunk no, griffin he was my favorite my favorite part of this was griffin i have watched that little snippet um of him standing up and being like casey's your chariot awaits <laughs> And him walking up to Julia and be like, it's Julia. If that's the one moment you're going to get, like, you better make it, like, work. And he made it work. It's adorable. I've watched that clip. Like, I had a friend actually send it to me that does, like, a lot of the clips on Twitter. I asked her for it so that I could just watch it. It's so cute. Also, Griffin being the one to be like, Katie, for the first time was like, oh, the family feels. I'm so happy. 
So Sylvia and Matt did do a whole round of goodbyes with everybody, but they didn't feel like goodbyes. It was so weird because like, we'll get to the Severide thing in a minute, but like he says, he's like, it feels permanent this time, which is something I've worried about in recent weeks. We talked about this in last week's episode, but these goodbyes didn't feel like goodbyes. Well, even like, even in, I can't remember, I think it's this, like act the actual goodbye where Casey's like, yeah, you'll see me again or like something like that. It is in this and not the cigar chat, right? Where he says yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. I thought yes. so. But like, yeah, like yeah. I think, do I think it's going to be like anytime, like specifically soon? No, but do I think we'll see them again? Yeah. We'd I better. Do. I think, I think they're Jesse and Kara both are open to it if it makes sense and if yeah. they can schedule it. So I definitely think that's a door left open on purpose. Do I think they have anything immediately scheduled yeah, for that's, that? Yeah, no. No. It went but, honestly, yeah. even if you said like, okay, this is season 12. Like, honestly, even if it wasn't until like, assuming we get like more renewals, like 14 yeah. or 15, right? Like, it yeah. wouldn't even surprise me if it's like that far yeah. off. Well, but and, like, I, I definitely see it happening at some yeah. point. And the fact Sylvie didn't really say anything. <laughs> like she, Violet hugged her and was like, I'm never going to love another partner this much, which I'm yeah. never going to love another medic this much, Violet. So I feel you. I feel you. Um, And then, you know, the hug with Stella. Rhett never really said anything to either of them. She's just like in the moment in her feelings. Um, But Casey definitely, when him and Severide shake hands, is like, well, you'll see me again. Like, yeah. I'll be back. I'll be back soon. You know, like. It was definitely a vibe of like, they're gone, but they're not gone. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if like every now and then we get a little like off screen update, you know, like uh, just a quick line every now and then. I I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But yeah, I don't, I definitely don't think they have a plan. Like, I think it's very much like Jesse Spencer in 1005 when uh, for Matt Casey, they kept saying, oh, three years. He'll be back in three years, three years. I think that was more of like an arbitrary, like, we hope, <laughs> you know? And I think that's very much what this is too, where it's like, it the door's open both both ways, you know? Like, when they can work it out, they'll they'll definitely work it out if it makes sense. Yeah. I, I for sure think we'll see them again. I don't know when, but at some point. I'm Yeah, I mean, that better not have been the last of it. I would not be able to deal if it was. I would be very, very sad. Yeah. <sighs> so. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it ends. They they drive away as a family and everybody's outside Molly's and there's an unscripted Stellaride hug that's really nice. Everything's just really sweet and perfect. Yeah. And I have to talk about the car. So the scene with the car, that's the one that like a filming video of that like leaked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, like, the first moment I had, like, a real breakdown over, like, oh, my God, this is actually happening. So it was nice to see what was filmed as opposed to, like, kind of seeing it in a blurry <laughs> mess from across the street. Um, I loved, though, okay, so we talking about Drunk Griffin. Where he was like, the tape wasn't my idea. And you can't really tell in the scene, but the Just Married sign is made with caution tape. Like, the Oh, yeah, tape. you can. Yeah, I saw that. Um, which I think is very funny. And also in my head canon, Ben wasn't at the reception because he was the one decorating the car. That's what I've decided in my head. <laughs> That's where he was. <laughs> so, Brenda, you remember yeah. my wedding when you and Amy and Heidi and I, a couple other people decorated my car and we ended up taking Charlie's back from the church? Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> it was me 
and Amy and Lauren. And yeah, I do remember that. That no, you guys, yeah, the whole plan fell the flat, plan very fast. Flat. Yeah. Very fast. But yep. yes, I do remember that. Uh, but yeah, they drove off with their kids in their car. This car, by the way, was not one we've seen before. It had again, I'm obsessed. Let's just disclaim that right now. It had Illinois tags. <laughs> Oh my God, Logan. It's not Casey's car. So I'm going to assume that Sylvie traded in her little silver sedan for a Ford Equinox. Well, yeah, she had to. Was. She has a family. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to assume that that was Sylvie's car that they drove off in. Which and, is so cute. And, and that's that. And just like that, the, the Brettis are off into the sunset. Yeah. Can I mention one more thing, though? Because I yes. forgot during the wedding. <laughs> When they get to the ring exchange, and I have to say it because it was such a cute choice by Kara. She has the ring, like, and she's getting ready to put it on his hand, and she's, like, doing a little dance. You know, like, she was so cute and, like, squealing before she put, like, the ring on his finger. It was so Sylvie and so adorable. Um, And I just, I love that Kara made that choice to just, Sylvie's, like, itching to put that ring on his finger. She's, like, literally vibrating. <laughs> it's Sweet. so cute. Anyways, last thing I'll mention. <laughs> no, you're good. But yeah, that's that's the Bretzy wedding. It's in the books. It was perfect. It was Made wonderful. me cry. Was yeah. Beautiful. I was definitely, I had emotions going. I was just like, babies, sweet, sweet babies. Uh, but yeah, and and I mean, the beauty of this episode is that the the it was all about the wedding, but there was other stuff going on. Yeah. Um, we got some Violet and Carver action. Oh. We did. That was oh, yeah, yeah. Just kiss. go, Brenda. Take it away. So, episode starts, and Brett is, of course, like we said, freaking out about the decoration. And Violet's like, "Don't worry, I got this." And yeah, like we said earlier, Tony like takes it personally that they keep calling it a fish store, and he's like, "It's more than just a fish store." And he's like, tells Violet specifically, he's like, "I don't like the way you just keep saying fish store." <laughs> and Violet, of course, like as she's like answering Tony, like Carver's in the background shirtless, like after he just got out of the shower and she like gets distracted, which like I guess I don't it. blame her. He looked good. <laughs> like I'd have been distracted too, girl. I get it. So Bowden runs into Violet in the hall and he tells her that Chief Robinson is coming by tomorrow morning to discuss who is replacing Brett and that she's getting like the official promotion to PIC, which we all knew was coming, but like that's our well, girl. I really like back to PIC because she was PIC before she came. Yeah. To so 51. There was- but. There was some confusion about that. And I feel like what we have to consider is that they did sort of like reboot Violet. Because originally oh, yeah. her name her name was Violet Lynn, first yes. of all. Uh, and she was the PIC at 20. When they brought her in to be full-time at season nine, that's when Derek sort of had the conversation with Hanukkah. That's like, should we change the name? Like, you know, obviously leaning into like you. Like, should we change the name? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And so that's when they changed her name. And also... She stopped having the PIC bars on her collar. Um, so they sort of like quietly pulled that back. I don't think she was like officially demoted or anything. I just think the show sort of like retroactively was like, we're going to just take that back now so that we can put her on Ambo with Sylvie Brett. <laughs> I think if I'm trying to remember correctly when I did that, like original interview with Hanukkah, like a long, long time ago, like. A long, long time ago now. I think if I remember correctly, like, the way Hanako explained it is just that, like, 
Sylvie was already there. And, like, obviously Sylvie has more seniority than Violet does. So, like, it was kind of natural that, like, she wasn't going to be PIC there. So, like, yeah. But, yes, they definitely did, like, a reboot when she came back in season yeah. nine. Yeah. So, anyway. But... So later on, Violet drops a bunch of papers and Carver helps them her pick them up. And she's like, I have some lock on flowers. And she's like, I just have to get to them in the next like 30 minutes. She's like, burying a call doesn't come in. Well, it's like a call didn't come in, but like somebody else did. And she basically asks Carver to be her date to the wedding. And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, so cute. I was yeah. kind of afraid that he was going to be like, oh, I already have a date. So the fact that he was very much like, yeah, whatever you want. I was like, I love this. Yeah. So Chief Robinson shows up like way early, like literally 12 plus hours at least. Um, So of course, Violet now can't go get the flowers. But anyway, and Chief Robinson basically sucks. Yeah, we, we hate her. What is her problem? Uh... She fucking sucks. I don't know. I don't know what her problem is, but like, she's the worst. <laughs> like, you, you just got here. Why choose violence? I, I I think Violet has the right of it where she, you know, she t- tells Ritter, she's like, it's a power move. She's trying to intimidate me. I, I think but that's why? definitely part of it. There's a lot of mind games happening. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but that's, that's what she's doing. She's playing mind games with Violet. Well, and so she tells Violet that she's not going to, that Violet doesn't get to pick her partner. And she's like, Chief Bowden, who's always been partial to 51 in my professional opinion, like coming after Bowden too. It's like, chill. You just got here. Chill. And yeah, she's basically like, that's not how I operate. So. Yeah, she has some gross line about she's going to have a firmer hand on the tiller or something. And I'm like, why? (laughs) You could have just left it at like, that's not how I operate. I don't know. That's that was weird. That whole analogy. Don't like you just based on that alone. Yeah. So Violet's got like one last plan to try to go get some decorations, and it's not looking good though. It's <laughs> she's like, I don't really know how I'm going to pull this off. This I love this. Ritter trying to help her. It was so funny. He's he's bringing up like dried flowers or something, and she's like, "You're literally making now you're me just sad. making me sad." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we shift over back to like the expo call. And like we said earlier, once Violet hears Brett's call on the radio, like, and Brett doesn't answer, she's like goes in the panic mode and like tries to go after her. And like Carver goes up, well, she runs into Carver on the stairs and like he stops her for going after Brett for two seconds because he obviously doesn't want knowing where his feelings are. He doesn't want Violet to get hurt. But yeah. Violet has the opposite reaction of she has already lost somebody to this. She's like, I can't lose somebody else, which we'll get to that in two seconds. But um, yeah, but he finally is like, fine, if you're going to go, I know I can't stop you, but like, I'm going with you. I yeah. actually liked this scene. I'll admit it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> She's going to get there. Mm, I know it's hard. It, I know it's, it's so hard. hard. It's so hard. Thank you for recognizing my struggle, Logan. It is. It is hard. I think. Well, you're sort of having the same. You're struggling with Violet because Violet's struggling with it too. Uh, she's. You know, it's grief is like, it's a bitch. Um, yeah. 
but well, it's I, not necessarily me grieving. I'm, no, it, what it is is I just like I don't see it between them. The, their banter is fantastic. But it has nothing but, to do with like violent grieving over it. So she's just like I don't. But would you? She see still doesn't if, like Carver. She doesn't like okay, Carver. but would I see it if would what? You see it though if Hawkins did not exist. If there was no Hawkins, we'll never know. We will never know. <laughs> that's my question. I think that still plays a little, a little part. We'll never know. I just, I see, I see it, the metaphorical it. I see it more between them than I do Hannah and Archer, but I just don't, I don't see enough of it. Oh, I see it. I, I get the they give oh, me. Oh, I'm like at this yeah. point, I'm like, okay, I, let's do, I, let's go, let's go. I get, the, I get the buzz big time. Like Ritzy got married. Okay, um, we can move. Forward. I had a little bit of a buzz with this scene, a little bit, but like the teeniest buzz, not a big buzz, a little one. Oh, I major buzz. Like I had. Listen, I was rewatching the uh, the wedding before we get to the reception. I want to mention when she lights that candle, when Violet lights that candle for the first responders, which was a beautiful gesture, by the way. Um at their wedding she looks out at, at carver and he's looking right back at her and it is a very loud look it's like they want each other bad <laughs> uh in the middle of your best friend's wedding girl <laughs> uh yeah it was a very pointed look during the wedding i was like Ooh. all right i see you bye Anyway, so yes, they have a look at the wedding itself. And then at the wedding reception, Violet pulls Carver aside and she's like, look, I need to tell you something. And we get this. Sam, I need to tell you something. Okay. That freak out I had when I thought Breath was in trouble. You don't need to explain anything. You're upset, man. I don't blame you. No, I... I was more than upset. I lost it. And that's why I keep running away from you. It's why I can't do this. Seeing someone I really care about in, in danger right in front of me... I won't survive it again. You get that, right? I do. So... You really care about me, huh? And it's a good thing nothing bad is gonna happen to me. Especially on the dance floor. I'll be honest, and I thought it was gonna take a lot longer to have this conversation. Like, I thought it was gonna be, like, episodes from now that they were gonna have this conversation. I'll be honest, I thought they were gonna move a lot slower with them from the very beginning. Well, yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, they, I thought it was going to be, like, way longer because they were going to move at a much slower pace that, like... I didn't yeah. think they were going to hook up when they did. I thought they were going to hold off on that for a while. Um, You know, way back at that point. So, I, I do love it, though. I love the maturity of it, of her being like, okay, listen. This is what I'm struggling with. This is why I can't do this. But I also love her response of, like, we'll see. <laughs> You know, it's basically what it boils down to. He's like, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not going to get hurt. I'm here and I'm definitely not going to get hurt on the dance floor, which basically boils down to just give it some time, you know, like we'll find out, yeah. which I, I loved that personally. He acknowledges that he hears her and he understands, but he's also not like, this is never going to happen. 
you know, like I'm looking at Gina's face right now, and she's just like, I don't know. I'm 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 trying to figure out how to put up the raise hand emoji. <laughs> Go ahead. Am I the only person who did who am I the only person who caught the foreshadowing in this moment? Oh, you think Carver's gonna get hurt? Yes. I mean it's possible. The show is, okay, is cruel it, and unusual. I think, it, I think it's definitely possible and I feel like it's gonna happen. But like I I don't feel like I'm maybe they're not gonna I should kill like him. not be saying this. Yeah, they're not, I don't no, feel like, they're not gonna kill him. I don't him. feel like they're gonna do anything that's like makes her even think that he's dead. I think that's just like cruel. Is he like potentially gonna like fall or something and like hurt some you know, like yeah, I could see that happening for sure. But like I don't think they're gonna put him like potentially even near death because that's just and they're gonna they're gonna come up against that regardless just because of the nature of their jobs right like that's gonna happen eventually no matter what he really I saw somebody tweet that was like Carver don't make promises you can't keep and I was like well that's fair yeah it's it's the phrasing it's the phrasing that screwed him over here okay this is why like I think this is definitely this is probably our cliffhanger because like he screwed himself over he said it's a good thing that nothing bad is ever going to happen to me my dude, like, you can't say that in this universe. <laughs> but they've already killed one of Violet's love interests, okay? No, I they're think- not going to kill him. They're not going to kill him. But he's definitely getting banged up. I think this is he like was, last I mean, season. Yeah, he should not have said it because, like, we all know the one Chicago curse. I think he obviously was just more, his focus was, like, in that moment. In that moment, like, on her, and he's like, okay, you don't have to worry about, like, you know, that, unfortunately, that probably won't happen again, and, like, I'm gonna be okay, but, yeah. This is, like, last season of PD, how the whole season, we were like, Ruzik's getting shot. Like, the writing was on the wall, and now that he said that, like, you're fucked, dude. Just accept it. I, I don't think he's fucked, but, I mean, I definitely think he... he he overpromised and he's gonna underdeliver. Well, and it, um, honestly, though, it could even just be a situation of like the season nine finale when they were all like trapped in the underwater yeah. or whatever, and like yeah. we didn't know what was going to happen to them. And like, yeah, Cruz got you know a lot of you know had like a few seconds of like almost dying, almost dying. But for the most part, like, Cap and Tony were fine. Severide was fine. You know, like, but we didn't know whether they were going to be okay or not. And, like, I don't think he may necessarily even get hurt. But, like, you know, it just may be one of those, like, oh, shit, what's going to happen to Carver things. Yeah. I I mean, I I thought it it was cute. But I I do, it is a bit of a, like, "Mm, should you have phrased it that way? (laughs) He's fucked. Um, but I, I like that he he finished it with like on the dance floor. <laughs> like <laughs> he kind of course corrected a little bit. <laughs> Gina, did that give you the ick? Uh, him on the dance floor? No, no him like no him, him saying, saying that line it. to get them on the dance floor. It's like nothing bad's gonna happen to me. Because you don't like yeah, I just know you're not a big Carver fan, so I just didn't know if that like cheesiness coming from him was did you, like. Did no, you that... like? Were did you not like the sup? Is that did you not like that where he leaned against the ambo and he was like, so um the first time I didn't, and then Lauren made it into a gif that absolutely sends me every single time because it is 
so funny. But no, the on the dance floor segue, that didn't bother me. It was the fact that he was like, nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. I was like, dumbass. Like <laughs> that, yeah. So, I mean, he is a bit of a dumbass. Let's yeah. be real. I love him, but yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean, you like the fact that Violet called him by his government name, it wasn't Carver, it was Sam. I was like, Listen, oh, oh, she my favorite. Yeah, my favorite thing on like first responder shows or like procedurals is when it's like last name, last name, last name. And then they get real and they pull out the first name and you're like, oh, that's that's good. That's the good stuff. My problem is, is I don't think of him as Sam. So like when she said that, I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Who's Sam? Just like <laughs> earlier when Gina talked about Gibson and she's like, Derek Gibson. I was like, what? I I, I do like- that. I do that with Ripley when people say Mitch. I'm like, who? Who's yeah. That guy? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. anyway, I'm into, we got the Bretsies married. They're off. They're going to be happy. Like, <laughs> I'm ready for this. I, I'm ready for this ship. So let's move into Stellaride. Stellaride. I was a little worried. I mean, I was not worried that he I, we obviously knew he was coming back but like in the very beginning where i was like he's not ghosting this woman again is he like yeah they they definitely wanted you to think the drama was still ongoing or was like being revived or something yeah, yeah. and like i knew it was all gonna work out but i was just like really, i i literally really, dude really. i literally like yelled at the tv like stella just turn around girl <laughs> like because i knew like the phone call the tech it was all leading up to like him being there in person so yeah just, like just turn around <laughs> yeah so it starts out, Stella, you know, has been texting Severide. He's not answering the phone and like his texts are going green. So like, you know, phone's off. Like it's, you know, it's, yeah. So Cruz comes in and is like, isn't Severide supposed to be back today? And she's like, yeah, his flight was delayed. It's fine. Like, can you cover for him? And he's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. So, like you said earlier, so Stella finally gets a hold of Severide. He does the cute little, like, I'm not actually here, but just kidding. Like, turn around. I'm actually here. Like, and I it's like cute. The, the way he laid out the story. Of like, so I was doing this, and, and there was a problem on the highway. And so I didn't think I was going to make the flight. So he's, like, explaining at every point why he didn't call her. <laughs> right. He's like, I <laughs> have I to come was, with proof. And, like, here's the reason why I didn't answer any of your texts. <laughs> yeah. He's like, let me give you an entire log of everything I have done. And he's so like, far and then he's like, I got to Midway. And then I figure I'd just be there in a few minutes. So it's fine. <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, so he's back officially. Um, but we then we get the office scene and like it's so good. The cuddling is so good. It's the best I've felt about Stellaride in a long time. Same. This felt like it felt like Stellaride. Yeah, like actual Stellaride, not the pod people that they've <laughs> sort of become recently. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I loved ugh, a little conversation they have um just about you know the fact that she's glad he's home and like <laughs> he's like that was the play like i love that he's just a little bit like confused as to why he's like i i was always gonna come back like well i actually take it the other way i actually take it that like he was so sure that like oh no yeah it's that and too. he knows yeah. that she needs to hear it so mm-hmm. he's like that was the plan like I, you know yeah that was the plan yeah um, and and the I wasn't sure I was, which, yeah, oh, yeah, that was really great. Also, I want to point out slight parallel 
with Casey and Severide mm-hmm. because, you know, Sylvie earlier was like, I can't believe we're actually here. And he was like, mm, never had a doubt. Like the, just the growth of Casey and Severide to both be like so confident in like the love they have for their girls is just like, it's amazing. Yeah, and They're I both just... happy. I just love to like obviously like you said but like the I love you Stella kid like when it's when Severide uses her full name like that's when you know it's real like yeah you got this Stella kid obviously I love you Stella like that's when you know it's like they're so it's precious real. I love them it's real I know this felt so good it's like breathing again like after holding your breath for a really long time <laughs> you know I it just yeah it, it felt wonderful yeah. they're they're back this just feels like they're back. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we get, obviously, like we said, Casey's back. He's now reunited with his best man. Um, and we get we get one last cigar chat and this thought. So you still got your hand in some arson cases? Yeah, I love it. But I was gonna give it up for Stella. She thinks arson is like a drug for me. I get lost in it and start turning into Benny. You do. I did, before. When I really thought I might lose Stella, it was no contest. The case was a bitch, but I never lost sight of the end goal, coming home. I remember sitting for these cigar chats back when we were two single guys with nothing and nobody to lose. <laughs> Simpler times, that's for sure. Pretty damn lucky now. I know it. Been through it, you and me. Hell and back together more than a few times. I'd be a lesser firefighter if it wasn't for that. Told me once the house needed me, and whether I whether I knew it or not, I needed the house. Been thinking about that a lot the last few months. You admitting I was right? No. I just said I thought about it, that's all. <laughs> it's funny how we pull out cigars and it suddenly feels like you never left. A lot of ways, it didn't. It feels permanent, somehow. When you leave this time, Sylvie and I will always come back to 51. I I knew I was going to cry at the wedding, but like this, honestly, like I like actually was sobbing. I was like, this is so beautiful. And every time I've watched it since then, I'm pretty sure I've like teared up. It's yeah. I mean, it's cigar. Chats it's just beautiful. Are it, so, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Cigar chats are so iconic for these two characters, right? We've yes. watched them do these time and time again. Um, and Lulo posted like an edit that had like bits of, uh, cigar chat from season nine mixed in with this cigar chat. Are you talking about the one that's like them talking about Brett? Like outside, like the first time he's like, oh, you, you and Brett Brett or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That That one mixed in with this one. And I was like, I haven't seen that yet. Oh my God. (laughs) It's just like this moment of like, these characters have come so far. Yeah, and they are the show. Like this was, it's Casey and Severide Savasi is like the foundation, the original foundation of this show. So, 
And I think it was just not even just about like since season nine, like you're talking about since the beginning, like it was just the fact that like both of these two men have come so far that like they can understand how far they've mm -hmm. come. Oh, yeah. And even just aside from like the, you know, the fact that they now both have like, you know, they're both married. Well, now they're married. They're not married in this conversation yet. But like yeah, now practically it's just 26 yeah. hours away. But, from like. It. It was just, I. it was just beautiful. Like, it was yeah. just, like, I really, obviously, from the last two Casey appearances, we didn't have any Severide, obviously. Right. But, like, I I just, I needed this way more than I ever thought I needed it. And it's it been, just, like, yeah, made it, my heart feel so good. Yeah. And it was it's, just, it was beautiful. It was, it was beautiful. It's been forever since we've had a cigar chat because we didn't get one in ten twenty two. You got they the talked, they pre. Chatted. They got the pre wedding. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they it's chatted. It's an unofficial cigar chat. It, I mean, it, yeah, it's the, it's, it's so an unofficial from cigar them, chat. Like, in the chair, I mean, Casey's not even house. smoking a cigar in this scene. He's drinking coffee. So, no, like, but they're in the chairs outside the fire. Yeah, house. that's to me. That's part of it. That's part of it. Um, so we didn't even really get like a real. And we didn't even, I don't, did we get one in his last, in 1005? I don't think I, we did. I don't know. I haven't rewatched that episode since No, I don't, I don't think there's a cigar chat in that last episode, which I, I think was like a big deal where people were like, what? So I, I think know. this is the first remember. one we've had in a very long time. Um, and it was, yeah. And I loved, like, they always, like, bullshit each other. And I loved, like, the, are you admitting I was right? No, I'm just saying, I thought about it. That's all. <laughs> like, it's just so on brand uh and as a breathy shipper i would be remiss if i didn't say that the moment where um you know Severi tells him like kind of felt like you've never left and he's like well in a lot of ways i didn't okay let's talk about why he didn't it's because brett was still in chicago like that's been the thing that's kept pulling him back and that's why he never left aside from him just being part of the dna of the firehouse um but yeah i uh it was very satisfying emotionally just like the both of them acknowledging like man remember when we were two single guys who like didn't have anything to lose like that was all I wanted from this the minute it showed up in the promo I was like I really just want this to be a moment about their growth as individuals and as friends that's what I want from this and that's what it was and I so the you. thing that I wanted to ask both of you is that obviously when Severide's talking about how like you always told me, I forget his exact phrasing, but he's like, I realized I needed the house more than mm -hmm. I, you know, in this last little bit that I realized. Does that give anyone else the vibes that like Severide is like staying, staying this time? Yeah. I think so. Andrea said it in an interview, um, in a postmortem. She said that this episode marked the end of that, like the end of the where is he, like why does he keep leaving story? And yeah, I mean, and, and she also said that we have Taylor for the full season from here on out. So. Yeah, fall season is different than like, you know, but I just, to me, that just gave the vibes that like, okay, this is like, for real though. Like, yeah, this is, yeah, he felt, this is what I meant earlier, like he felt like Kelly Severide in this episode. Like he, yeah. he's back. Like, it's been so weird because he's been sort of like a shell slash ghost slash just weirdness. Not really the full Severide that we love. This Severide in in this whole episode, from the minute he shows up, you know, to Stella, to this moment with Casey, to everything else that happened after. I mean, he's it felt like 
they turned a corner and like everything is the way it should be. Like all is right with the world now. This the impression I got here. Yeah. I just need this to not be the last cigar chat we ever have. Yeah. Um they definitely sort of made it sound like it could be. No. Um I, I reject but, that. Yeah. But well, I mean, I, as always, though, they left the door sort of open because, like, Severide says, feels permanent somehow when you leave this time. And we all know why he's worried about that, because Brett was what kept drawing Matt back to Chicago. Um, and now Brett's not going to be there anymore. But I love, first of all, Matt, anytime he speaks in the sense of, like, him and Sylvia as a unit is going to make my heart happy. But him saying, Sylvia and I will always come back to 51. Uh, me, personally, I love that line. And I need it to be a manifestation of things to come. But also in my head, I don't know if you guys envision like whatever time point down the road the the series finale of Chicago Fire is. Do you guys ever think about that? Like what you want it to look like? It's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably. But I do think about it like whatever. If even if it's like season 25 or whatever it is, like SVU. I always think in terms of like what I'd like it to be is Casey returning to Chicago and, and becoming like battalion chief of 51. Like that's just always been what I've pictured in my head. It's like how it is, is like the originals returning to the house they started in. And like, of course, now that means he would bring Brett back with him. So the when he says Sylvie and I will always come back to 51, like selfishly, my head goes to what I envision as the end of the show. And I'm like, well, that still leaves the door open for that. So I'm going to just hang on to that for a second. <laughs> yeah. So then it ends, the Stellarite stuff ends. You get them slow dancing at the reception. And of course, you know, again, they're still kind of just rehoming or rehitting the nail on this head about like, he's always going to come home to her. And she's like, I believe that finally, um, which is really Yay. cute. And then, so of course, like we said, Trudy ends up pawning baby Julia on them because she's like, I'm ready to dance. <laughs> and like, hold this. I want to yeah, dance. That was yeah. the part that got me. Hold this. Hold so, this. It's like it's a beer <laughs> instead of a baby. So what I, I guess what I want to ask you guys is like everyone I feel like on the internet is like Stellaroid baby. Stellaroid baby. Like this is all we want. The Stellaroid baby. And like is this supposed to be foreshadowing or is it just like I keep seeing too much Twitter talk to be like reading into this? I, you know, this is what I think. I think if they're going to move Stella and Severide toward having a baby, I want it to be like a plot. Like I want it to be like they want to have a family, but they have to figure out how they're going to have a family. What does that look like? Do they leave the loft? Like I, I want it to get into the minutiae. They're going to do it. Like, do it. Like, let's really get into it. Um, So if that's what they decide to do, they've certainly thrown it out there with Stella. It does sort of feel pointed when they keep showing her with, like, moms and kids and babies. You know, it, it, it does kind of feel suspicious. <laughs> so I'm with you there. I, I, I think there's a chance that it's intentional. But there's also a chance that it's just Stella being Stella. I don't know. But if they do it, I hope they do it like a like a full plot for them. You know, like their storyline. I'm going to be pissed if they take it that route, frankly, because not because I don't want them to have a baby. If that's what they want, I absolutely want that for them. 
I don't want them to do it because they never execute it correctly. It always ends in trauma and misery. And I don't want that. Well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I will say somebody commented on one of Lulo's posts and was like, I want a Stellaride baby. Uh, we and- see it. I want to say in our mentions, like every all week, the time. Someone's yeah, like, I'm sure. Stellaride ba- like it's like everywhere. Everybody all over wants our, it. Uh, our, yeah. But I will say Lulo's response was like, why? That means you'd see less of the leading lady. So I'm not sure it's in the cards um, right now. I'm not saying they'll never do it. But based on that, I kind of feel like perhaps not right now. I'm not saying they won't move them there because I think this, I don't, maybe a spoiler. There's Severide permits that are not for the loft. Like a house. Who knows? But I, I, I say, I say, don't, don't do it if you're not going to see it through. I agree with that. Now, if they're just going to like, you know, do what they've done with every other main character pregnancy. on, Don't do show, it. Yeah, don't do or it. Or adoption or whatever. But, you know, their track record has been better lately. Javi and Julia were successful adoptions. Adoptions, not births. Yeah, but even with adoptions, though, they've been weird before then. Okay, the Louis stuff was bullshit. That was one time. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I agree. If they're going to do it, they need to do it. It needs to stop being like a curse, <laughs> you know? Yeah. If, it it's, to, if it's not going yeah. to end in a baby, don't give it to me. I don't want it. If yeah. it, if it's going to end that. in some sort of trauma, keep it. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with that, but I do think they could maybe do it in stages. Like, you know, they need a bigger place if they're even going to think about it. Right. The loft is like, not child appropriate i wouldn't think it's it doesn't even the walls don't go up to the ceiling i think we probably need to upgrade before we have kids mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways uh that's my thoughts on it but i do agree if they're not gonna like if it's not if there's not actually gonna be a baby don't yeah they shouldn't even go there i agree yeah so i don't know we'll see what do you think brina i I mean, I really agree with both of you guys. Like, I, I'm i not going to complain if they go there. I want them to do it right. And, like, honestly, whether it's Stellaride, whether it's a future ship, like, way, way, way down the line in season, like, 20, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, I just think at some point, I feel like it is time for them to, like, have some body have a like actually get pregnant and like have a successful baby only because there are women who are firefighters who do get pregnant and have babies and then return back to work and everything's fine well the the paramedic consultant on the show has had i think i read an interview that was it derek i think derek did it a long time ago where he said that their paramedic consultant had had like two or three kids. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, it happens all the time. So yeah, I just feel like know. at this point, if they like, I don't know, for them to like keep dragging it out that like literally nobody on Chicago Fire has had a, I, I don't know. I just feel like yeah, they just need to do it already. And like, that's no, it. I, they have to rush it for Stellaride because like I don't want it rushed either. And, it doesn't whatever. need to. No, it definitely doesn't need to but be rushed. Like, at like some no. point. They need to do it. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, the whole, like, it's across all three shows. It's a little ridiculous. Um, Because even April had a a miscarriage um, at one point. So let's, you know, that's enough. (laughs) 
Yeah. If the next pregnancy of a main character, let's say this, because Chloe did, you know, she had her baby. It was fine. Mm -hmm. She's a minor character, Um, though. That's what I'm saying. I said main character. (laughs) So if they're going to do that with a main character, they need to see it all the way through. And I think maybe the reason they haven't is because... I guess it would work it would require like they did with Gabby where they sent her to OFI and it was like a different role and I don't know if maybe it's the logistics that they have a hard time I don't know I don't know what it is but they need to figure it out though but anyway yeah Yeah. but that's the end of Stellar Ride so yeah and then last up we we've got no you got two things you got Mouch and then also Kylie oh it goes into Kylie in the outline yeah, Kylie and, and then, then Mouch. Mouch. You said oh, last I said up. last up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. not last up. Sorry, I lied. Okay, I do that <laughs> a lot, all the time. Okay, you do. So, I do. I really do, though. Okay, so Kylie comes in on her day off to finish filing Bowden's paperwork because he still does not have an assistant. It's so cute. I love how, Bowden, cute. how guilty Bowden feels about it. He's like, I'm going to hire someone. She's like, really? He's like, yeah, soon. <laughs> and how she volunteered to come in. I love it. Yeah, so cute. I love it so much. Um, yeah, and so Gibson comes Gibson comes in, sees her. I love how he's like, it's my little sis from 46. I'm here for it. Is she really his sis, though? This I is know. the question I have. <laughs> no, I know. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, and so they're talking about, you know, her being at 46, and Gibson's like, you just can't stay away from 51. And she's like, I miss it. But she says that everything is great. And she's just trying to convince herself. She's like, starting on my own two feet was the right thing. I did the right thing. Like, that's cool. Did you, though? Did no. you? We all know she didn't. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. And so they finished filing all the work. They finished doing it all. And Gibson just says, he's like, you know, if you want to transfer to 51, you should just tell sh- tell the chief. And, you know, he's like, you should still tell him, like, just in case. And she goes, in case what? And he's like, you never know. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Saying what? Yeah. I have a question. Do you guys get like Pelham exit vibes from this? Like, you know how Pelham was like temporary until Stella came back and then he like gave up. Oh, like Gibson would go so Kylie could come in? Yeah. Did you guys Ooh. get those vibes? Because I got those vibes. So I had, I, I didn't really think about it in Pelham, but. The only other thought that crossed my mind was so we spent a lot of last week obviously talking about the Instagram post the or was. the Instagram story. The, past the was. And then the only other thing that crossed my mind was like, what if he said was on about truck 81? Because what if we find out he's somehow a certified medic and he becomes Violet's new partner and they move Ooh. him over that way? I said this last week. Did I not? Yeah. I don't know. That's- Did you say that? That's interesting. But that's the only other thing, too, that I was like, okay, that makes sense because it's like, was 81, but that still allows Kylie to come back. But. I Can I say, okay, when they announced Kara was like, Sylvie Brett would be departing, when they announced that back in November, one of the first things I said to one of my friends was, I hope Violet gets a male partner and Kylie's on truck. Because they we haven't had that dynamic in a while. And yeah. I just feel like that would be refreshing like don't even try to replace sylvie with like another female i don't i don't think that i, I, I mean also, I, do you can if you want to but i think it would be more interesting i also feel like that place. feels way more plausible at this point rather than his exit only because like where's the casting news for our new like paramedic partner Good point. 
It's a good point. That too. Although I, f- I feel like Andrea implied there would be some floaters, but I don't. Okay, really fine. Know. There's some floaters until they make up that decision that he's gonna move to. I would. He lo- doesn't have just... to move there like the first scene of next week. No, so. I would. I would love it. I. I that's what it's... I'm saying. I. I would love it. I and I can see great. the floater thing, given how like the Chief Robinson stuff, because she's like, I'm gonna pick your partner, and then somehow like give it an episode or two, and Bowden's like, No, this isn't working. Like I'm gonna let you pick one of like no. So I could definitely see it happening like that. And I will say, I did read. Uh, and I don't know how true this is. This is just, again, the Twitter conjecture. Somebody supposedly messaged him and asked about it on Instagram. And he was like, no, no, not like that. So I, I don't know how true that um, grain of salt, like take that with a grain of salt. But that I did read a tweet that he responded and was like, "That, that not like that. <laughs> so I don't know what not like that means. <laughs> but I, I would rather see, because I do like him. And again, I would love it if Violet had like a male partner on Ambo. I think that would just be a really cool dynamic that we haven't had in a while. Um, So if they go that route, that would be great. And also I can keep sort of shipping Kylie and him because I definitely do. There is a vibe and I like it. Also, apparently like that kind of just ended the storyline and it was like okay, but that's weird. But apparently according to Lulu's Instagram, there was a scene of them at Molly's that got cut. Well, she was, if you notice, Kylie ended that scene, like, concerned. Like, what does that mean? Are well, you that's what quit? I'm saying. There's a yeah. whole scene that got cut. So I think least. that scene at Molly's was probably more of her being like, can you clarify? <laughs> that was kind of ominous. Can you, like, <laughs> what's <Yeah>. going on? <laughs> yeah. It, it might have been that. I don't know, though. But those, yeah, those pictures he posted looked interesting. And again, still vibes. There's still vibes. I'm... Yeah, I've been saying that since he got they got introduced. I'm like, if that's her, if they finally give Kylie a ship, I'm not going to complain about and it. And I got to say, I don't know if it's because, like, you know, there's some actors who literally just have chemistry with anyone. They could like be talking to a brick wall and there would be chemistry. And I don't know if he's one of those actors that just oozes chemistry and has chemistry with everyone. But like. If if the show is not does not see that they have chemistry, I need them to course correct right now. And just that's. You got to take advantage of that. That's like lightning in a bottle right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. For but, sure. Yeah. So. Um, last up, we've got Mouch. The little bit of Mouch stuff. I love the little bit of Mouch stuff. So at the beginning of the episode, some lady comes in with her child. He's struggling to breathe. Like they live down the street. And so the boy comes by the firehouse all the time, which is like why they know Mouch by name. At first, I like was like, did I hear that right? They call out specifically for Mouch. And I was like, oh, that. And then like I missed that little line. I was like, that probably would have helped like a lot. But yeah, he comes by to look at the fire truck. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, like they get what was lodged in there out of like a little battery and they're like, oh, well, you know, if he had obviously swallowed this or, or, you know, would not have been good. So, yeah. So later on, Casey meets Gibson. And like after that, Casey's like, oh, well, it's always great to have like new talent at the firehouse. And Mouch is like, yeah, I agree. Like us old guys like need it. And Casey's like, okay, well, Mouch, you seem like you're better than ever. Mouch is like, well, yeah, I want my, like, at this point, like, I want my last year or two at the CFD to be my best. 
and Cruz and Mouch saying, yeah, I just like, I was just at first, I was like, can we not? Like, I don't need this already, like, way foreshadowed. Right, the like, last one or two years. Uh, no, Mouch. Yeah. That was very much a record scratch moment of like, ah, yeah, what? Like, no. Can nope, we not? Like, I know they're getting older, and at some point, like, it is a physical job. Like, I get it. Like, they're going to be the next ones to go just purely on age. Like, I I understand that. But, like, we're not rushing that. Nope. We sure are not. No, we're not. Yeah. Um, I I love that Malch is getting his, like, little post-scare moment where he's, yeah. like, feeling good about himself and his job. I like this Malch. He's, he's yeah. Nice. And so it kind of ends with, like, at the wedding or at the wedding reception, Mouch talking to Casey and Brett. And she's, of course, like, worried about all the paramedics and people. And Mouch is like, I promise I'm going to keep checking on them. And Casey's like, oh, well, I heard the CFD requirement or retirement age just went up to 65. And Casey's like, well, after what I've seen and heard from you while I was here, I just want to say, like, it's not too late to retire with some brass on your collar. I love that that came from Casey. Yeah. I As in, like, Mouch taking a leadership position? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, will it actually, you know, could be, like, a Herman thing where, like, you become lieutenant and then you're, like, a lieutenant for, like, seven years or whatever without actually, yeah, you know, like, you're a lieutenant for a long time without actually getting a chance to, like, lead. be on it, like, lead a truck yeah. or something. But, yeah, I think it's more just, like, he can get something before he retires. Well, I, I also, like that they make sure to mention like the retirement age just went up. So it's like everybody who's like, wait, how old is Mouch? What's the retirement age? There's been a lot of people who've been like, he should be retiring like now. And I like that they po- very pointedly point this out. Cause it's like, Oh no, we're not getting rid of Mouch anytime soon. He still has some time. That's a okay, relief Christian to Stolte's me. 61. So by that logic, you've got four years. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I, we're I going it. by like, that logic that's that's fine how old is david eigenberg at this point now i'm like google 59 okay herman's around for longer yeah so So, but i i like the idea that they're like um sort of putting it out there that maybe mouch could move up a little bit you know because he's always he's always spoken so much like i'm always going to be a member of the rank and file like he's kind of always said that about himself like i'm i'm never gonna be an officer i'm not gonna be one of those guys and and that's kind of like Okay, maybe maybe you can be Mouchy. Yeah, uh, I like that it was Casey, his former captain, that like put that thought out there. That must have felt good. Yeah, mm-hmm. but anyway, that's fire! Yay, fire! Yeah, but truly, age is like a perfect, perfect episode. So much happened again. Like I'm, it's sorcery. Like, how did all of that happen in forty-two to forty-three minutes? Yeah, craziness. Again, it had the vibes of the old days. Of, you it know. really did. Yeah. And it was like hit the ground running with that episode. Like every moment, chock full of stuff. Yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. It was great. So, okay. Stretch it out because it is PD time. I'm just going to drink more alcohol. Y'all can stretch if you want. Yes, queen. Yes, That's queen. What, what do you think this is? What is it rosé? It's pink Moscato. Ooh, girl, you can have a headache tomorrow. I know. And I have to be at work. Oh, well. Oh, my goodness. Okay. It's going to be fine. So it's not that I like, I don't want to quantify it like this, but I'm going to anyway. For a Voight episode, this was really good. I just thought in general, I mean, in general, it was really good. But yes, for a Voight episode, it's fantastic. 
you know, I mentioned earlier when I was watching Med, I got distracted and I was surfing Bretzy tweets. This episode, the opposite happened. I was surfing Bretzy tweets and I totally forgot about my phone because I got so invested in the episode. <laughs> That's never happened to me with PD. Ever. Especially so not a void episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was a it was very good. I was surprised. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well. And the, and the only reason I say for a Void episode is because Void episodes are usually very dry. Yeah. But they usually the... suck. It's okay. You can say yeah, it. Yeah, you just uh-huh. say that they're they're not good. They're Yeah, they're usually pretty dry. And this one was not. There was plenty of substance. And this one, like most PD episodes, they're so much better on the rewatch because they make all the more sense. They're fantastic. So, Okay. We start this episode, Voight's at a bar. No, it's not Molly's. It's one that he frequents, obviously, because he knows the bartender. I was about to say, so, they never go to Molly's on PD anymore. No, that's true. No. That's true. Never. They forgot that, like, seasons ago. Yeah. Okay, so he sits down, and the bartender is like, Hank, I gotta show you what I found the other day. Now, remember, we're about 10 seconds removed from the Bretzy wedding, okay? Like, 10 seconds. And what does this bartender do? He hands Hank a picture of Justin. Just, ah, knife in the heart. So my first thought, because I didn't end up really paying attention to it last night. I wasn't feeling that great after. But like, so I watched it today and I was like, okay, whoever photoshopped that makes it, made it look real good because it doesn't really even look like a photoshop. Because normally in those situations, like, you know, obviously we haven't seen, you know, Josh Agar on the show in a long time like there's no way that's an actual photo and I'm I don't like, know it looks it, it looks, looks like, like he looks now yeah I know it didn't look like Justin like I Josh Agar deleted his Instagram a long time ago so if it's a real photo I don't know where they got it I don't know but it it looks like him now and I was like yes it huh, does that's interesting <laughs> I mean yeah. the man still looks good and whatever oh, yeah, age I don't care yes um yeah. yes so I managed to convince my husband to watch One Chicago with me last night, which I absolutely loved. It was so nice to have like him and the pups watching it with me. But when oh. the photo of Justin pops up, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And Charlie's like, it's just a picture. What are you doing? I'm like, no, that's his son who died in season three. You don't get it. Like, oh, uh, yeah. right in the feels, right in the feels. So Hank's like, yeah, that was summer 2010. And then the bartender's like, yeah, he looks really happy there before everything. Mm-hmm. Justin. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, I know. Fictional death I will never get over. But actually, though. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Voight leaves the bar, and on his way out, he hears something going off in the alleyway. Can we just point out that this man found a case just by some, like, faint beeping in the distance? <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah. Super hearing. It's great. No, but actually, though, I was just kind of like... and. It got me thinking because between between this this week and then last week with Kev, all he heard was glass shattering. Like, are they just fine tuned to these noises? Because like these are noises that I would just be like, somebody dropped a glass. I wouldn't be like, let's go investigate. I don't know. I mean, I feel like the thing which you know the phone noise, whatever that thing was, the tracker whatever you want to call it i mean that's the point is someone's supposed to hear it and like you know whatever you know from how i don't know however far away you know but from a decent distance and like i feel like a glass window shattering i feel like that's pretty 
noticeable if you're relative i mean again you can't hear it for forever away but like you can hear it pretty close i thought it was a taser that hank heard no i thought it was a phone at first and then it ends up being the later on they say the guy's noah's brother ends up um it was like something he gave to him or something oh because he was gonna get lost to whatever I, you know, but basically, like, as he was going to hell, like, here, so you don't get lost before you, you know, on your way to hell. So this, this, this teaser, just this first part of the episode had so, like, just the Halloween vibes were, like, huge. He's, like, walking down a secluded alleyway. There's a cat in the corner. There's a dumpster. There's, like, you know. It just felt like something PD hadn't done before. Like, I don't know. I was, like, oh, oh, okay. Well, what I love that they're doing this season is that, like, and I, I think we t- we might have talked about this last week or like earlier this week, but they're being really ballsy between the episode on the migrants and this particular episode right here. They're being really ballsy and towing that line into these really controversial topics, and I like it. You know, I mean, this is the perfect season for that because you know it, it, it's it's a short season. So they can come in, ruffle some feathers, and leave. I like it. I respect it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, it, it was really good. It, yeah. Yeah. So Hank very quickly finds camera footage because he sees the bloody snow and he's like, something happened here. Finds camera footage and this ca- the convenience story pops into, there's like, yeah, there's been a bunch of air- robberies in the area and nobody's come to check them out. But Hank basically sees a guy and then another guy comes up behind him and beats him and then drags him into the trunk of the car. And again, like, thank goodness that Hank thought to follow whatever that noise was, because otherwise he would have had no idea that this happened. Yeah. So they found drugs by the bloody snow, but then Facial Wreck comes through with who they're looking for. And his name is Noah Gorman. He's 19. So we're maybe five minutes into this episode and Voight is notifying the parents and the parents want nothing to do with it because he came out as gay two months ago. Those Mm -hmm. parents suck. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. So yeah. So this kid has no friends, no family in the city, no cell phone, no credit cards, nothing. So they're able to find out that the drugs, the drugs were basically ecstasy laced with meth. Peachy. Great. Nice. Um, and the popular dealer in that area is Zach Jones. And Zach has an MO for abducting and torturing people who stiff him. Mm-hmm. Abducting and torturing. That's some uh, serial killer criminal minds bullshit that's right some, there. That, that's signs of like psychopathy right there. That's what I'm saying. Oh my goodness. Ooh. Okay, so like everything is leading to this guy because like the MO matches, there's prints on the bag, it's his area. I mean, this is like, it's a slam dunk. We also find out that Nina Chapman was the prosecutor on both of his cases, the two prior times that he had been arrested and almost tried. Both times he got off on technicalities. Mm-hmm. Both times. Both times. Um, so... Again, I realize none of you care about this. I was in jury duty on Monday, as you guys know, um, as my dear friends. And the 
we got into like the word your portion where they start to like ask you questions and see if you're biased and the attorney in the case he like he asked me he's like so do you think being an attorney like prejudices you or biases you and i was like it absolutely does the legal system is so flawed and this evidence is that that this guy was able to get off twice on two technicalities i'm just saying i'm just saying i have a lot of feelings okay <laughs> So the Zach Jones guy, this is his MO, it all adds up. So Voight calls Chapman and goes to talk to her. And she says for sure, she's like, no, this is his scumbag lawyers that got him out. Like, we've got to get him this time. This is this is it. And so Voight's just like, well, we've got to work this case. We've got to do it right now. And Chapman just says, she's like, do you see my desk right now? Like, she's got a ton of cases that need to be worked, but none of these are for an active missing kid. And so Voight says, Voight's like, there's no one else looking for him. Like, we are all he's got. And I think that's why he takes to this kid so heavily. The picture of Justin definitely is a catalyst because I feel like throughout this episode, he kind of projects onto Noah what he wishes he could have done with Justin. Oh, exactly. Yeah, he totally does. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also, I like that that's the case too, because I mean, it's been however many seasons since Justin died, but it shows that you know, the grief and the trauma of it all never truly goes away completely. Yeah, for sure. So crazy. So yeah, Chapman comes to the 21st. They go over what the, or she goes over what she knows. And this guy is so crazy. He kidnaps them usually for about 10 hours, breaks their kneecaps, releases them into a public spot, and then makes them crawl to safety. It's literally a criminal minds episode. <laughs> This guy is, yeah, it's it's crazy. Casually breaks their kneecaps. Okay, cool, cool. And then the victims usually just refuse to talk out of fear. And so they find the commonality that, you know, three of the last four victims were dropped in this park, in Sweeney Park. And Voight and Torres and Upton, they go check it out. So they end up finding this guy, the, the dealer, uh, ZJ is what he goes by. They bring him into questioning. Oh, this guy, this guy. Um. I'd, I'd be terrified. Like, I, I was terrified for him, frankly, in the questioning when he started fucking around with Voight. And he's like, lawyer, lawyer. I was like, you're about to get fucking decked, dude. Yeah. Like, like it doesn't very... happen. I know. Yeah. But he has a, he does have a very punchable face. <laughs> Incredibly. Yes, very, very much so. I was honestly just more impressed that, like, Voight didn't punch him like you just said. Like, he walks outside the inter interrogation room and he's like, I want to. And it's like, oh, but you didn't actually do it. No, okay. no. <laughs> if this were 10 years ago, that would be a different story. Yeah. Oh, my this goodness. was like last season. It would have been a different story. <laughs> yeah, true. Very, very true. Uh, yeah. So ZJ is not giving them anything. He's like, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't have any drugs. Like, whatever. He's totally just fucking with them. Like you said, Logan, very, very punchable face. Uh huh. Extremely. But Patrol ends up spotting the same car that was at the scene that night. They end up spotting the same car using the investigation. They're in, and the car is just like speeding in circles, essentially. Like it's turning on all the same streets. So they lose the vehicle and then they find it again when Voight is not paying attention to the road at all. He's like looking around for this guy as he's driving and they crash together. They, they crash into each other, basically. And the reason why that car was going in circles, it was Noah. It was Noah. Bruised, bloody, beaten, with his eyes stapled open. 
I have to tell you, I could hardly look at at him when he was on screen because of his eyes. I was like, oh, oh, like it was very hard to watch until like Void goes and visits him after surgery and all that stuff because I was like, that is just it's it's it it's freaking me out. <laughs> like it looks painful and ow. <laughs> well, I couldn't tell what was going on at first. Like I just kept looking. I was like, what is up with his yeah. eyes? And your, for a second, your face there... is not right. For a second there, I legit thought that, like, maybe they had done, like, a rehearsal with it or something and not, like, fully fleshed out if it was, like, a prosthetic or whatever. I don't know. I thought that legit they might have put, like, rehearsal footage in there by mistake. <laughs> no, my mom my mom was watching it with me, and she was like, did they cut his eyelids off? And I was like, oh, that's a thought. Oh, my God. It was crazy. And if you look closely, like, which I, I don't get squeamish about these kind of things. I mean, like, the staple was, like, up under his eyelid. And, like, uh, it was, I was just like, damn. Like, that's not, you don't just take a stapler and, like, throw it at somebody. Like, that takes precision. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm good without that mental uh, image again. Uh, <laughs> it was hard <laughs> enough to look at on the actual episode. Sorry, guys. I don't get squeamish about these things. <laughs> But yeah, no, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. And so Voight rides with Noah in the Ambo. And like this kid, oh my God, just protect this kid at all costs, please. Like, it's so please. sad. He's more worried about Hank. He's just like, oh my God. He's like, I hurt you too. I'm so sorry. Um, and the only clue that he gives him, he's like, look, I don't know who did this to me, but like there was wood everywhere. That's the only clue I can give you. So yeah, Haley meets Hank at the hospital. This kid was stabbed six times. There were signs of, of binding on his wrists and his ankles. And yeah, his eyes were stapled open, which is just like insane, insane. So Bergewater traces it back to an abandoned pallet factory. And that's how, that's what we meant by all the wood. And they roll up on the scene. It's clear, no links to ZJ at all, but it doesn't feel like any of his MOs. And so Voight kind of realizes he's like, wait, this is like a next level criminal. This isn't ZJ. This is like next level sadistic. And so Voight goes back to the hospital to see Noah. And I think what is so well done about this scene, this kid who played Noah is incredible because, I mean, he just conveys that there's nothing Noah can do in this scene except for cry. And like the, just he, the way he conveys that, like, he is just in 110 percent pain, physical and emotional. And so I think this kid who played him did an incredible job. But yeah, yeah. you know. It's incredible. And so, yeah, Voight tries to ask him about what happened. Noah just cries. Voight's just like, hey, look, like you fought like hell, you know, help me out here. You can do this. But Noah basically confirms from a lineup. He points and says, oh, it's Jones. Like he points to him and IDs him. Uh, when Voight gets back, though, he immediately is like, it was a fake ID. It wasn't good. It was a bad ID, which like I was like, no, that seemed pretty solid to me. Are you sure about that, Hank? But I was wrong. The only reason I figured he had to have been right is that we were, like, still too early in the episode for it to be, like... Done. <laughs> done. Case is yeah. over. Everybody go home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I definitely think, as much as I don't like Voight, I am very aware in this episode that he's been on the job a long time. And there's a lot of reading people that he's probably learned how to do. So I did sort of, like, trust his expertise like as a viewer i was like okay i believe you if you say that wasn't a good idea then that's that's cool i'll go with it <laughs> but i was actually also impressed that he didn't just run with it that he like thought about it <laughs> and 
And he was like, this guy is a drug dealer. He's scum. Old Voight would have been like, we're going to take him out anyway, too, just because we can. But he's like, nah, he didn't do it. So, you know, it's just like, I don't know. It was, it was a lot of, I feel like, things that Voight did that I was like, I don't hate that you did that. Okay. It's because he cares about this kid. I mean, yeah. He was he was interested in both sides of it. It wasn't necessarily just about getting justice. It was about taking care of this kid too. It it felt to me like old Voight, who like they joked about him taking in strays all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he had like this collection of people that he had connections with. I, that's what it felt like to me. This felt like early PD Voight. Like hmm. aside from the lack of police brutality <laughs> um it, it felt like interpersonally like the void who used to get really invested in people yeah i could see that yeah so void immediately is like it's a bad idea like it's not going to work we have to go back to the drawing board and nina's like why i don't understand why and like I get where Nina's coming from here is because she needs it slowed down for her because Voight's just coming in like, you know, level 10 and he's like, it's not a good idea. We have to go back to the drawing board. Wait, slow down and tell me why. Why? So Hank doesn't really give her an answer. So she goes over his head. Yeah, well, I, he does give her an His answer is because I have the experience. It's my gut. I, I know this job. I know how this works. You have to trust me is basically his answer. And that's not <laughs> um, how many times have you at work simply like tried to override a male colleague and been like, I just know based on experience. And how many times does it work? <laughs> that never works for a woman ever. No, never. Yeah, you're correct. <laughs> that or that that part hurts me a little bit because I'm like, oh, that must be really nice to just play that card and like blindly believe it. <laughs> Women have to have an entire fucking dissertation prepared to defend our position, even if it's something as slight That's as because like our emotions can't be trusted. No, no. A, a man, yeah, you can trust his emotions. A woman, no. Our little lady brains are just so volatile. Yeah, we're we're just, you know, emotional in our case just means we have no idea what we're doing. Uh, yeah, that like just the way he said that, I was like, that is literally something I will never know. In terms of experience, because like, no, just no. I'm just glad I work with my family. I don't have that <laughs> issue. <laughs> I don't have that issue. <laughs> Thank God. I do get I, I do get questioned all that kind of stuff all like all the time at work. Well, they'll be like, "How do you know that?" And I'll legit just say, 13 years of experience," and like it doesn't usually shut them up, but it's the truth. Like again, it just it never works for a woman. Ever. Ever. Nor would Nina ever give that answer to a male superior or male colleague. Nina would never. Well, she's also, okay, but she's also in a very different role in all of this than Hank. Like, it's a whole different context, what she does versus what Hank does. Hank can have intuitions and sort of follow those, but with her role, it's it's, not like they're. Yeah, it's not like they're the same level playing field. And then yeah. she was like, well, I'm just going to go around you and go up. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's like in a completely different line of work, essentially. I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. It's very different. Her, it's Hers is very much like, okay, we have this fact. We have this evidence. It obviously leads us to this conclusion. Scientifically, this guy must be guilty. You know, like, it's yeah. a whole different 
it's a whole different thing that she does than what Hank does. And I think that's also where the disconnect is. Cause she's like, now nah, you got to give me like hard proof. I need, I need to see it, to believe it. <laughs> and he's like, no, I, you, I just feel it. You should just trust what I feel. <laughs> like, well, and I, okay. I'm, I'm honestly not even mad that Chapman went over his head again. Women in the workforce need to be really creative about being heard sometimes. So she did what she had to do. I'm not mad at all. Well, also, if you look at it from her point of view, like he came to her and brought her in. So yeah. it's like, you, you're either going to listen to me or you just shouldn't have asked me for help. Like, that's my thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then, of course, what he does tell Nina, like, that's when he kind of drives it home because he's like, I've seen the look before. Hell, I've seen it in my own son. I was like, fuck, he played the Justin card. He did play the Justin Damn card. it. Mm -hmm. It's the fastest way to shut anybody up. But my dead son. Oh, hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, the supervisor signs the arrest warrant. They go to arrest him. He tries to escape. Bridgewater corners him. We get him this time. He's here. So, yeah, Voight asks him some questions. And, oh, man, this is the whole sequence where Atwater tries to put the cuffs on him, right? And then Hank's like, take him inside. Mm -hmm. I got so scared at that moment. He's like, take him inside. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> When you said that just now, I, I heard Hamilton in my head, like, meet me inside, meet him inside, <laughs> yeah. meet him, meet him, meet him, meet him, meet him. That's all that was in my head when you said that. <laughs> when, like, it not necessarily cracked me up, but I was amused that, like, when they were inside, air quotes, that, like, you could just kind of tell that Hank wanted to go to town on this guy physically oh, and just, sure. like, beat the shit out of him. That's you what could I'm saying. Tell. He held yeah. back. Surprisingly. Yeah. It's like, back. who is this man? It's Hank Voight in 2024. That's who. Yeah. yeah. But what's so different about Hank Voight in 2024 than Hank Voight in 2023? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, There's a sudden change of everything. <laughs> Brian, will you take he, it from here? He went, he went to therapy off screen between last episode and this one, and they fixed all his problems. Maybe he's going to see Kim's therapist. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. magic, apparently. Yeah, apparently. So, yeah, so Voight takes him inside and asks him some questions. And basically what ends up happening is he thought that, like, it was the police following him this whole time. Or that they were following Noah in order to get to him. And so he's like, yeah, I mean, I've seen that car, but, like, I kind of thought it was the police. And basically, he ends up realizing that it probably obviously wasn't the police, but he, he doesn't, he didn't see the person's face. So he's, like, not really much help after that. They just know that somebody was following Noah this whole time. So they go back to the bullpen to try to figure out who it is. But again, they still literally have nothing. And so Voight goes home or tells everyone to go home and he keeps looking at files. And so he shouts the one about the Great Lake House, which is the homeless shelter that they kind of had found out that Noah was like in and out of. And like he gets his coat to leave. And at first when they did that, I was like, oh, so you're telling me it's someone at the homeless shelter. I was like, that's what I thought they kind of made it seem. And no, it's not because he goes down, he starts questioning people, but he really, other than the fact that no one can apparently sing, like they don't find anything out. And then Voight, like as he's leaving, he kind of gets like that idea of like, okay, well, like 
I got to think about it, but like, I think I may be onto something. And he goes back to the 21st and he starts watching the bus camera footage. The diligence to just watch yeah. the bus turn right for hours? Literally. And he finally gets a picture of what he's looking for, but it's like not clear enough. So like facial wreck is not gonna come through in this moment. And he's like, who are you? And that's what I'm wondering. I'm like, who the fuck are you? So Voight goes back to the hospital to sit with Noah and we get this. Hey. No, 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 no. It's okay. I'm not going to ask you anything. You don't have to talk. I, I did want to say some things. Would that be okay? First, uh, first I want to tell you that the man you ID'd, your dealer, Zach Jones, I mean, his alibis are tight. He, he couldn't have abducted you. He, it, that's okay. These things happen. Look, no people are scared or in shock. They make the wrong ID. Happens all the time. It's okay. No, you said something to me in the ambulance. You said you thought you hurt me too. something that caused this? No, I didn't think so. So the only one responsible is the monster who did this. And I'm gonna find him. I promise you, I am gonna find him. be right here with you in this thing until you're able to talk to me. You understand? You're not alone. I'm not going to let you be alone. Again, to me, the thing that I was just honestly most impressive, impressed with by Voight in this episode is just like, like, I don't even think, like, Logan, you were kind of saying, like, in the early days of the show, like, when Voight would get invested, even if it ended up being, like, a case of the week, like, Voight would get invested in the person they're searching for or whatever, the, you know, the specific situation is. Like, I just felt that from him in this moment that, like, yeah, like, you know, obviously he wanted to help find who did this, but, like, he actually cares in this moment. Yeah, it's it, very reminds, evident. it reminds me a lot. And it's different, obviously, because Noah is different from Aaron. But it did remind yes. me a lot of the dynamic he had with Aaron, where, like, Aaron started as, like, you know, this kid that he knew whose mom was unreliable and just sort of took her in, really. And it feels, it it just gave me those vibes. Like, I, I it made me remember the Voight that cared about Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, but it did. <laughs> so the last scene of the episode, Chapman shows up to Voight's place to bring him some coffee and they have a little chat. Jones didn't do it. You were right. 
But because of his arrest, Tex found a hard drive in his basement, and it had footage of him abusing two other victims, so we've got him on those. He's going away. It's good. Any leads on Noah's abductor? Uh, no, not yet, but uh, there will be. Hank, I'm sorry I went over your head. I made the call I thought was right. I felt it, that Jones was our guy. I was sure of it. Do you know that feeling? Hank, it's my job to be checks and balances. If it were the other way around, I think you would have done the same thing. Yeah, probably right. Do this, you know. You ask me for help, you bring me in, and then you push me away. And it's like, it's like you don't know whether you want to be alone on your island or not. So, yeah, well, so there's two things I really want to talk about. But one, so when they're talking, she's obviously telling Boyd that, like, she's basically, like, hella confused by him because, like, on the one hand, like we were talking about earlier, like she feels like he's bringing her into things. He wants her to be involved. Like he wants to get her opinions. And then she like pushes them away. And she's talking about, you know, she's like, well, it kind of seems like you want, you're on this island alone. And I can't tell, you know, I forget her exact wording, but basically like. Well, she's like, I can't tell if you, if you are deciding to be on the island alone or if you don't want to be on the island. Right. Alone, essentially is what right. she said. I, yeah. I was going to paraphrase, but basically yeah. exactly that. And I just thought that was super interesting because like we've had people kind of say something similar about Voight kind of being like, you know, about him pushing people away and like all that stuff. But like, I don't know, just hearing her like lay it out like that. So like clear as day and like to Voight himself, I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But. It's like he has one foot out the door as far as like being a part of the world. So it's like kind of halfway in, halfway out. It's like eventually you're going to have to pick one of those. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then we find out, though, that Voight let Noah come home and stay with him. Oh. I love he it. He collected a stray. <laughs> Do you guys think, like, so I'd assume we're going to obviously see Noah again, right? Like, I would assume. Well, they, left, they left it open. And they didn't find the guy that abducted Well, somebody him. had said... And I want to say it was some in, in an interview someone had talked about that, like, I think this is kind of the start of, like, what's going to eventually be the finale that arc. But I don't know, like, obviously the way it goes. I think next week or next episode is a Voight episode. Well, with the way that the show paces, like. Yes. <laughs> you go so in, so far in between episodes of getting updates on certain characters I, that it makes sense to me that this would be set up for that. Given I have that no complaints about it. The only thing that I keep thinking of, though, is, like, it's Haley's last season. And, like, yeah. I kind of thought that she was going to be whatever, the, obviously, yeah. was going to, like, propel her storyline. Whatever the season finale arc was going to be was going to be, like what propelled her to leave <laughs> so like and obviously it still could in some way we don't know that that's just you know but like 
if they are giving like that to Voight, it just seems like, okay, well then well, what's going to have happened to Haley all season? It may not be, it may be the start of the plot that leads to the finale. Well, and that's what I said. It may but, be. But maybe where this plot ends up. Ends up, up yeah. And I, I mean, this is me just yeah. guessing. It's just. But you would the way hope, PD operates. Yeah, you would hope that the finale is very uh, Upton-centric, right? Because that's it. That's all we have of her is right. like seven more episodes and then she's gone. So, yeah, I mean, you would hope that that's what they oh, do. Well, and like, you know, obviously they're going to give everyone else at least another episode. Like, I know for a fact that like they're bringing the whole Taurus storyline back because the, oh my God, I cannot remember her name. His the one where he made out with the well, yeah, she was seen I mean, on up. a bunch of fans were at filming last week or the week before, and they saw her at filming. Okay, so she's back for right. sure. So, in whatever I can't remember which episode Torres's episode is, but I, I did not when his episode, episode comes again. Yeah, no, it was my least favorite Torres episode. I did not. I did not like it. But like, so I just, you know, we're going to get a, probably at least one more Haley episode. And then like, yeah, she may end up having a part in like this, but it's just, it, I don't feel like it's already feeling not as satisfying as I was hoping it would feel. Hey, well, but it's, it's now that we're at the halfway mark. I feel like I can say that it's not, you know, yeah, I'm satisfied I, in a lot of other ways with PD that I wasn't expecting, but show... I'm not Look, this show has never handled character exits well. Like, I don't. Is there one, even one character exit that we enjoyed on this show? Uh, <laughs> the no. closest one, and it's not even like a good one, is Mouse, only because, like, at least, I mean, and even then, nobody really likes that exit, but, like, at least he went, like, decided he was, like, gonna go back to the army, and it was, like, I don't know. That's the, like, best one I can think of. He didn't die or turn into a completely different human being, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't ghost anyone. <laughs> didn't, you know. Didn't, like, just vanish off the face of the earth. Yeah. 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 But that's it. That's the only one. And he, I mean, you know, love Mouse. But he no. wasn't, it, that's, it's Mouse. <laughs> like, you know, um, yeah, this show never handles character exits well. So I'm not entirely surprised. Yeah. Um, you know, there's still time, I guess, for them to correct it if they choose yeah, to. Yeah, no, but... for sure. It was just something I've seen about, like, if this truly, given the fact that where we end this episode, I think it makes total sense for it to be, like, a big part of the back half of the season. Oh, yeah. At but the very if least, they, yeah. if it doesn't somehow end up tying Haley in I will say then it will feel like okay then how would you know yeah I don't understand yeah but yeah you would hope they don't <laughs> uh let Haley just like not be you know randomly not be in the premiere like there's no exit for her whatsoever and it's like a Rojas where like where did she go <laughs> I feel we like that's not just because they've like announced your well, right? They, that's what I'm saying. Know. You would, you would hope that that's not what it is. But the thing is, with the way they pace out their episodes, 
and the way Void is already so heavily involved in this plot, I understand the doubts of like, what does yeah. that mean? <laughs> no, I get it. But yeah, it's yeah. And I there's not a whole lot of faith in PD when it comes to these things anyway. So I don't know what they're gonna do, but they need to do something to exceed expectations <laughs> instead of fall short of them. Yeah, I mean, I like really like this storyline, so I'm excited. It's the one time I'm like, oh, Voight's getting like probably a big a big plot of the back half of the season. Okay, give him more. I'm here for this. Yeah, and let's hope that Noah doesn't go the way of everyone else that Voight has collected. <laughs> no, for all I care, Noah could still be living there next season. Like I, I cool. like Noah. I would be fine with that. I think I. It's so funny. Saw so I saw a bunch of tweets that were like didn't have Voight being an ally on my bingo card for the year. <laughs> it was like, and I, I put something is. that's like way, 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 like way out into the ether. Can I like put it way out into the ether? Do it. What if, what if this is like a big, big, what if I don't think this is going to happen, but like, what if after like seeing how Voight helped him and how Voight, you know, saved his life essentially that, Noah decides he's like, you know what? I'm gonna become a cop. I'm gonna like go to the, you know, and then we get our, and then he stays on the show, and then we get our LGBTQ rep that we've literally never ever had on PD, like ever, ever, ever. That so, would be beautiful. It would be amazing. Probably won't happen. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But it it would be great. Wishful <laughs> thinking. Like I said, big it's if, a, but it's a a wonderful wish. Yeah. I love it. But, yeah. That's PD. It's a good episode. It's it was really good. They've had two really good weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, it really it good. pulled me away from Bretzy tweets, so it had to be good. <laughs> Nothing will ever pull you away from Bretzy, Logan. This Don't lie. This is what I'm saying. I was browsing like all my my like timeline, and I like eventually stopped scrolling because I was like, "What is happening on my TV right now?" So it did. <laughs> funny well yeah that's about all we've got this week um it was a big one it was a very big week in one chicago land so like we said earlier the shows are off for the next two weeks we are also going to take those two weeks off we're hoping to come back with a lot of content though because a certain sporting tournament is happening the week we come back um that we do at first i was like what are you talking about and then i was like oh yeah 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 um with a with a certain podcast um and and friends of ours so yeah we're hoping to come back with that we're hoping to come back with a couple other things so yeah um how do i usually end this um yeah i hope you enjoyed the episode that's not it how do i usually do this um thank you logan for coming on the podcast <laughs> thank you so much logan for coming on the podcast you're this welcome anytime it was so much fun you know i love talking to you guys i'll talk to you guys about anything like i don't care we could we could read the ingredients off of a cereal box and it and would be still an amazing exactly yeah absolutely <laughs> tell everyone where we can find you on social media um my main twitter is low lo <laughs> angel with two l's author um however i am getting ready to start a new podcast i was waiting for the bretzy stuff to end so that i could focus <laughs> on it um, wait this is news to us to me no, i showed you, you the logo yeah oh no it's not <laughs> news to us <laughs> um it's called the girly q 
Yes. Um, yeah. So Q as in like line, like, you know, Q U E U E. Um, and the the Twitter for that is the girly Q. So you can go and look for I do have an Instagram for that as well. I haven't started episodes yet. Like I said, I was kind of waiting for my brain not to be so obsessed with Britsy before I got started on that. But um, yeah, so you can go follow those socials as well. The plan is for that to be like a like a rotating I, I, in my head, I think of it as like three or four podcasts in one because each episode is going to be like a different topic. So we'll talk about like film and television, books and music, um, Disney, and they'll each be like their own category. So if you only care about one of those things, you only have to listen to those episodes. Um, that's the plan. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, so that'll start up soonish. But I'm actively tweeting on the Twitter at the very least, so you can definitely follow there too love it um as always you guys know where to find us facebook twitter instagram tumblr tiktok meet us at molly's on all of those email us anytime about anything meet us at molly's at gmail.com if you want to email us about bridgerton and tell me how wrong i am about colin bridgerton be my guest i'm <laughs> no, probably gonna I disagree gotta, i'm putting out my my like if anyone out there watches good trouble please email us so I can talk to you about it because I'm not going to survive this series finale next week. And I have a lot of thoughts and nobody else I know watches it. So someone please hit me up, please. Thank you. I'm done. Help her out guys. Help like, her literally out. my brain this week should have been Bretzy and I like am sitting here and I'm like, okay, but next week's series finale, good trouble. We're not going to go there. I'm... I can't. I can't. My brain is eventually going to be in Bridgerton 24 seven mode. So I can't wait. Um, that'll that'll happen. But anyway, yeah, I can't. You got no one. I wish I watched it. Two weeks, so <laughs> someone hit I, me up. I wish I watched it. I would talk about it with you, but I don't. <laughs> so I have a lot of feelings. Yeah, um, yeah. If you like the show, which we really hope you do, because you made it to the end of this episode, if you could please leave us a rating and review wherever you leave us, wherever you listen to us. It's late. I can't form words now. Um, that would be really great. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Brenna? I'm at Brenna K13. That's about all we got. So we are around the next two weeks. We're always around. We're watching other stuff. We're catching up on sleep. We're, you know. Gina, I promise by the time I come back on the pod, because I may not be on that, you know, next week or whatever, I promise I will have finished expat. So the next time we're both back, we yes. can do a discussion. Yes. We need TV to do roundup. And then are you going to start the Gilded Age? Yeah, I, I can't make any promises with the wedding stuff coming up. So I can't make any promises. I will finish no. X Fats though. No, and and yeah, that, that's okay. That's okay. That's fine. Um, well, and like yes. everything else is coming back too. Like Station 19, 911. Yeah. Uh, I don't watch Grey's anymore, but like, you know. I, all... I, I am literally watching nothing else. Like I kind of gave up on Fire Country. <laughs> um. Oh, I watched, yeah, that too. Yeah, uh, I'm not feeling it this season so far. I've, I'm taking a little break from it. Maybe I'll come back and catch up later. Um, so I don't really have anything else aside from Bridgerton now because I'm I'm taking a break from from the one Chicago's as well, just for a little bit. Um, so I don't really have anything else to watch, you guys. Uh, I'm just I'm poking around. I'm trying to cast as wide a net as possible. So once I finished Expats, I started Loki. I just haven't had the chance to go back to it because things have been so crazy oh, yeah, I right watch now. It too, I just. Life. I haven't watched the latest season yet. I need to. Like, I know how it ends because that. No, nope. mm -hmm. I'm not going to say anything about it. But 
you're lucky you missed the spoilers because I, I saw him whether I wanted to or not. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I know how it ends. I just haven't actually sat down and, and watched it and I need to. Um. Yeah. But I'm hoping I can get the thick bug out of my system and I can get back to my novel and then start this podcast. So sweet. Sweet. All right, guys. Well, that's about all we've got for this week. So everybody have a great weekend and we will see you in two weeks or I will see you in two weeks. Brian will see you in three. So bye guys.